0: Welcome back to State of the Apps. State of the Apps. 2024 edition. Every year on State of the Apps, we talk about the tools and services that we use to manage our work and our lives. We've been doing this for many years now.
1: I'm absolutely horrified because I was like, wait a minute. And I just Googled myself, right? CGP Grey, State of the Apps. When did I do this? And I wrote that article in 2014. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't want to mention it. I did look this up,
0: that it has been a decade since you wrote the article on your blog that became like the reason that we do this episode.
1: Ten years of state of the apps for me.
0: Oh my God. (laughs) Well, I think there was a gap of like two or three years where there there wasn't another one. And then I was like, that's a good idea. Let's do an episode of Cortex about it. And then
1: here we are. I'm doing a quick scroll down the list of like how many of these apps have still survived. And the answer is not zero. That's surprising. You know what? It might be fun, actually,
0: throughout this episode, considering we are on like the decade of the apps. (laughs) If there's any that you picked today that are on that original list, I think it would be fun if you
1: mentioned that. One that's definitely not evernote (laughs) were you
0: positive in 2014 about evernote Uh,
1: okay here's what i wrote in 2014 evernote is my dumping ground for lots of random video related pre-research i use it but reluctantly (laughs) the real shock of
0: today's episode is if evernote's found its way back anything could happen hold on to your seats everyone the traditional way of starting state of the apps is with home screens Home screens. Although now it's home screens and lock screens. <sighs> yeah. And focus modes. And I think also standby this <laughs> year. I, I, there's a
1: lot in this now. I mean, Mike, what even is a home screen anymore? Honestly, that is becoming a harder and harder question. It totally is becoming a strange kind of question about what is the home screen? What do we mean by this? Yeah. Like as well, from
0: this year with interactive widgets... Home screens aren't even just a static thing anymore. They're not just mm-hmm. a launcher anymore. They are actually a place to perform actions.
1: Yeah. I haven't a ton of apps that are doing interactive widgets yet, but it is suddenly realizing like the home screen is an app now, kind of like yep. that's, that's clearly the direction it's going into. So. Uh-huh. What even is a home screen? How is it connected to focus modes and your watch and everything else? Yep. It's like it's all kind of getting muddled together and also partly being apps at the same time. Mm-hmm. So what do your home screens look like, Mike? Right. Well,
0: let's start with my regular home screen. Okay. This is like the default home screen. I also use these set of home screens for Do Not Disturb. And I've also included the corresponding lock screens for these home screens in the image, so you can kind
1: of get the whole view. Yes, it's always so overwhelming when I click on one of these links to see all of Mike's things.
0: It's a visual treat. It's a little experience. (laughs) It is visual. Uh That is true. Visual treat. (laughs) I've gone way more widget focused this year. Uh For a long time, I had like big widget on the top and I had a little widget in the corner and then I had like 12 apps. This year... I've actually reduced my apps to eight. And I have two square widgets and the large widget on the top. And this is because of interactive widgets. So the widget I wanted to kind of like blow up everything for was the Due widget.
1: Tell me about your use case of Due, Because yep. Due is one of these apps that for me has disappeared Mm. over the years Mm. because mainly for me like I was looking for an app years ago that related to timers but that also had really good shortcut support yeah so previous lightning round pick for me was an app called just timers which I'm still using to this day yeah fantastic timer shortcut support really good and that just blew dew out of Mm -hmm. the water for me it's like oh I just never used it again yeah so it looks like you're actually using it as a Task manager here. Like, what's what's your use case for this?
0: Okay, so the types of tasks that go into do are always personal focused. Okay, right. So I use Todoist as my to do app, which I'll talk about a little bit later on in the show. Mm. And I have a personal project in Todoist, but they're for like quite large things. Mm-hmm. The stuff that goes into do are very simple, often recurring tasks. So, for example, I have take out the trash do the dishes, do my evening stretches, Mm -hmm. take my pills, text my mum. Like these little things that happen on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, go in here. Like remember to set my time tracker when I go to the gym. Mm. Remember to get cash out for my barber when I see him next week. Do my exercises. Like these little things that are just, I don't want all of these tasks messing up my to-do list, to-do list. Mm-hmm. And then also all of these types of tasks benefit from Jews nagging, right? right? That you can set in Jew, if I do not mark this complete, keep reminding, keep reminding. And a lot mm-hmm. of these things, they're like, it has to be done today. So like, I want the phone to keep asking me to do this stuff until it's mm. done. Like if I don't remember to take the trash out, that's going to be a problem. I have to take out the trash, right? So like it's going to keep telling me every 10 minutes, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? Mm. So these are the kind of things. And it can also be like a very simple task that might be a one-off that will go in here. Like for example, I had to disable the automation of our Roomba for a few days because we were having a like a treatment to the floor. And so I disabled it and then I've put it back in there to enable it in like a week's time. And so that kind of thing it's just like it's just like a very simple thing. I want to make sure I remember to do it on that exact day so I can have it actually go out and do the cleaning. So that's the kind of thing. I'll just throw it into do and it will remind me every 10 minutes until I've done it on the day that I've asked for. Mm. And one of the things about these due tasks is that because they are frequent things, often I just do them because I remember. So having them as a little widget, they're just there and I can very quickly check them off from the interactive widget, and I don't need to open the app due to do Right. That. So to me, this felt like a really good thing to just have there on my home screen all the time. They're not work tasks, so I don't feel like the impending not having done work. And it's very easy for me to just check these off and get them done.
1: And so I, I like this widget a lot, actually. Hmm. I feel like I've underappreciated the role that Do used to play in my life. Mm and i might borrow this from you i think uh do deserves a second view i need to take a look at that again
0: the other little square widget is timery and now the ios 17 shortcuts widget underneath has two actions rather than one action which is awesome and underneath that little timery widget is like the stack and i've got two uh, timery related shortcuts one is a shortcut I have where I can just add an increment of time to my time tracker. So I can tap it and be like, I just did 15 minutes of this kind of work, but I forgot to press the button.
1: So I like that. Oh, huh. Okay. I didn't realize that was a feature. That's nice.
0: You can build a shortcut like I built the shortcut years ago. It just like looks at the current time, subtracts it by the amount of time that I've asked, and then adds it as an entry to Timery. Mm -hmm. And then I also have one more, which is my recording or editing shows timer, where if I hit it, it says, are you recording or editing? If I hit recording, it looks on my calendar and creates a new time entry with that as the tag Mm -hmm. because I've set the naming up correctly. If I'm editing, it just gives me a a list of shows to choose from, and then I'll choose that show, and it'll start a timer based on that. And those are just like my two most often time tracking shortcuts, and now they just live on that little stack underneath the timer widget, which I'm really happy about. And now the timer widget has a nice stop button on it too,
1: which is great. Oh, you can stop it from that widget. Okay, mm-hmm. great. i got little we'll stop love button.
0: It. A bunch of the widgets have an option in the configuration settings to add a stop button to them.
2: Hmm. This
0: was a request that I gave to the developer, Joe, that like, I felt <laughs> like the stop button should be available everywhere, that a timer was
1: incrementing. Yeah, that's a good feature.
0: Outside of that, there's no other app changes here from... Year to year. And I've ended up with these eight as the ones that I'm using most from my home screen. So it's notes, mm-hmm. Discord, Google Maps, City Mapper, the camera, and Instagram, messages, and Slack. And then my doc is Todoist, Spark, Safari, and Overcast. So that's all remained very similar to previous years.
1: Yeah. I think I'm always surprised that Discord is ranked so high on your home screen here. But yeah. like, I know we have different use cases for that. Like, every year we do this, I'm like, Discord, really?
0: <laughs> it's work and social for me. Like, the fact that I have Slack there says I should have Discord there. The fact that I have Instagram says I should have Discord. Cause it like, it's almost all of those kinds of things. It's like a social network in a way, but it's also work and it's also mm. like, it's an interesting like straddling of all of this
1: stuff. Hmm. I spend a lot of time in Discord now. I think the only one I would question is, do you really need the camera on this home screen? People always say this, but I Surely. what I use camera as both the camera, And how I get to my photos. Okay, so you're using it for the recently taken photos thing where you can open it up and click in the corner? Yeah, it's like a Mm. double duty. Can't you get to the recent photos from your lock screen? You can, but
0: if I'm using my phone and I want to take a picture, well, I lock the phone?
1: Yes, that's what I always do. Yeah,
0: see, that doesn't make any sense to me. Hmm... Like, I'm using my phone. Oh, I want to get a picture. Press the Glock button. Now, press the camera button. Here we go. (laughs) that's weird. Plus, as well, when you lock lock the phone, it turns the display off into always-on display. So, you have to tap the phone to wake the phone, then press the camera button. That is inefficient.
1: Uh, I guess you're right. I was like, (laughs) this is one of these, like, when you have shortcuts that you just your fingers know how to do and your brain doesn't i was like mike i don't need to tap the screen oh i do need to tap the screen in order to wake it up and then swipe over i didn't even realize i was doing. just like
0: tripled my taps you know
1: yeah no that's true camera on the lock
0: screen man Steve Jobs was right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was right the whole time. Get it on there.
1: Okay, all right. I'll let you keep the camera. I uh-huh. will probably once again next year be like, do you really need that camera yeah. there, Mike? Everyone always says it to me, but I think it's a good thing to have. And right in the
0: top, I have my long Fantastic Hour widget. Underneath it is the Carrot Weather widget. The perfect pairing.
1: Carrot Weather widget is like, it's. you always got to find a way to sneak it on there somewhere or another.
0: Uh, on my second screen i've got a bunch of widgets so i have notion widgets i'll talk about notion later i have Mm -hmm. a bunch of widget smith widgets for photos as well as apple's photos i have peak which is another app i'll talk about later on which shows Mm -hmm. me some health stuff then i have the best widget as part of ios 17 the home widget which is just like the best thing
1: are you for real are you for real suggesting that the home app is the best widget
0: it's so good
1: Really? Let me tell you what makes it good. It's like, sell me on the home widget because I've tried it and it only ever just shows me things I never want. It doesn't seem like I have any way to tell it which things I use. Oh,
0: CGP Grey. I'm going to change your life, man. You ready? Please, please do. Long press on the widget, press edit widget, untick recommended, and choose what you want. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) This is why State of the Apps exists. It's for these nuggets of wisdom. You have changed my life. (laughs) That's why I love it. So now I have the four lights that I always want to be turning off most, the two in the bedroom, the two in the lounge. I have the TV and the most active scene that I use. It's fantastic.
1: Oh, okay. All right. This is definitely going to change some things then.
0: It's so good. I love it because I hate the way it works in control center Mm -hmm. because especially what's complicated for me is I have a home... At the studio and a home at home. Right. And quite often, even though it's supposed to change based on location, it doesn't. So I'm at home and I want to turn on the light and I pull it down and it's showing my lights at the studio. This is not helpful to me. Mm -hmm. There's no reason why this should be happening. They're not even remotely close to each other. But then also just like the phone deciding what it wants to show you i fine I suppose but it's not what I want the only downside with the widget is you can only toggle things on and off right you can't adjust the amount of brightness but I guess you could set up
1: a scene to do that I run everything through scenes like my home philosophy is you should basically never be controlling an accessory directly everything should be a part of a scene like so I have a ton of scenes, but maybe that's also why like I've tried that the home widget and, and it was like something about my brain didn't even process that I could tell it like don't recommend. And I, I never never occurred to me to like untick that box. And so I was just disappointed that it was constantly like, hey, do you want to like hard turn off your Apple TV with the smart plug that you put behind it? Like no, how about these scenes that you know that I'm telling you to set every day at this time? Do you want to suggest me one of them? No, no, it never wants to suggest one of them. That <laughs> funny thing,
0: as well, for that smart plug controlling your Apple TV, is your Apple TV is probably the dominant home kit
1: hub in your house. Yeah, th- the reason it's extra funny to me is because <laughs> this is a holdover from when I don't know if it was tvOS or what, but like. When we first got the Apple TV, it would just freeze quite a lot. And the Mm. only way to fix it was to unplug it and plug it back in. I got so tired of this. I bought a smart plug just so from the couch, right, I could press the button to like physically cut the power to this Apple TV to then force it to turn back on. But if that switch
0: was in HomeKit, if you turn it off, you probably can't turn it back on again.
1: Via HomeKit. We have HomePods though, right? Like, so the HomePods... Uh, Ah, they're hubs as well? Yeah, they're hubs as well. Okay. We've got like a million things in the house that are acting as hubs. Yeah. But my wife and I joke that like buying that smart plug... Eventually, the Apple TV learns. We have like a hard threat here, Apple TV. Yes. You better just freaking work. Yeah, And it slowly was like, okay, I like, guess I'll be a good Apple TV and not just completely freeze on you all the time. So It's a threatening plug. That's why it's extra funny to me that HomeKit was like really aggressive about recommending maybe my least used accessory currently that like I forgot even existed was always like front and center. Do you want to hard cut the power to the Apple TV? No, no, HomeKit. I don't. I then have Abode, which is
0: my home security system. That's a camera widget. They also have an interactive widget for setting the state of the alarm system, which is pretty cool. Then I have one of the new Widgetsmith widgets, which I love. So with the interactive widgets, when I tap that photo of the pool, Mm -hmm. it slides up and shows me a countdown to my next vacation. Oh, huh. Because you can have these widgets stacked on top of each other now. So like you can take what were two widget types that were in WidgetSmith and you can like put them one on top of the other, so you can like have a photo hiding time zones. I have a photo hiding a countdown and stuff like that. This is like one of the things that underscore put in as the interactive stuff, and I really love that because I like having the countdown. But sometimes the image I wanted to use, text didn't look good on it. Mm-hmm. But now I can have it hidden there, and like we did this for like the podcastathon. So I had like an image of the podcastathon, and I would tap it, and it would slide up and show me the time, which is also good for an event like that. So I don't see how many days it is all the time. <laughs> just just what I want to see,
1: you know. I didn't realize David had put that in Widgetsmith. But then I mean, again, as far as I could tell, he's built like an entire operating system <laughs> yep. inside of Widgetsmith. Yep. Like yep, the yep, number yep, of yep. things he's done is insane. So is that like an inspirational photo for you for your next vacation, this pool photo?
0: Yeah, it's like, here's where you're going.
1: Ah, okay.
0: You know, and then you tap it and it'll show you. It's like, it's nice. So that is my regular home
1: screen. So when you say your regular home screen, Uh does this not exist within a focus mode? So this is just like the default state of the phone.
0: Yes. I also use these home screens in Do Not Disturb and in my recording focus mode.
1: Ah, okay. I have recording as as one of the
0: options in here. So you can look at that. Uh, And like my recording one is exactly the same home screens. I just have a different lock screen. So the lock screen of like, my regular home screen lock screen that's confusing. <laughs> I just have an, an image of Edina, and I have um, the very top lock screen widget is Fantastic and then I have weather. I have WidgetSmith step counter, and I have a timery timer, like as the little circle one. And then on my recording lock screen, I use the photo shuffle thing, which is the same as last time, and I just have like a WidgetSmith time zone thing and a larger timery time tracker mm. on my recording one. Okay, huh? So it's basically the same there, and I don't have anything special for Do Not Disturb at oh, all. Well, it just—it's all the same stuff as my regular lock screen.
1: Oh, okay. So you mean like this is just—it looks like this for Do Not Disturb as well?
0: Yeah, nothing
1: changes. Uh, travel,
0: my travel lock screen, which is one of my favorite lock screens. I think this is exactly the same as before. So I have like the globe lock screen Mm -hmm. because i think that's really cool show you where you are in the world oh i added the batteries lock screen widget which was your recommendation from last time
1: this is funny to me because my travel focus mode literally exactly the same right it's like clock weather battery flighty and the zoomed in thing for the earth it's a little bit like the correct travel setup just manifested itself into the universe like this is the correct answer Mm -hmm. for if you need a lock screen while you are traveling this is what you should just do this is the one that looks the best those are the most obvious options for what to have
0: well i think between the two of us we just perfected it you cannot argue with the arrangement it's unarguable yep and then the home screen itself, I use way more widgets here. So like I have four like uh, widgets and they're just like weather and calendar. I have the find my just like a stack of the things that I might have. And I can change those around depending on what I'm taking with me. Like what suitcase I have, what bag I have. Ooh! I used to have a notes note for both my like a scan of my passport and also my packing list. Mm-hmm. This is now in things which I'll talk about later. So I have a things widget underneath the notes widget, which is where my packing list lives. Hmm. And then, you know, for apps, they're very similar to my usual apps, but I add wallet on there because you use a bunch of wallet passes when you're in travel and also like airline apps. And I change those out depending Hmm. on which airline I'm flying.
1: Right now, listening to you, I'm just, I'm totally stealing the find my widget for my own travel setup. I didn't think about that one for bags and things, or like you can even set it for people, like if you're meeting yep. someone. I think, like, I didn't consider that, and that's great. I'm going to add that one straight away. You know, we've spoken about having air tags on the luggage and how
0: helpful that can be. Yeah, air tags on everything. It's super good. And then just having them right there is just like a very quick and easy way to get to that thing that I'm going to need. And that's what my travel lock screen is, really. It's like, A lot of widgets because it will give me information at a glance, but also very quickly allows me to get to the apps that have the corresponding information if I need to dig into them. You know, so I've Mm. got like these are all in stacks, but I have Flighty in there and I have Tripsy in there. Like, so these are apps that have got that information in them and I can just get to them as quickly as
1: possible. All right. Well, when you're traveling, Mm -hmm. you're traveling to go on vacation. Yes, do you have a vacation set up?
0: I do now because last year you showed me your vacation home screen and lock screen. I was like, oh, that's a good idea. So I mm. do that. And I would say that this builds on the travel one. So I still have like a, a lock screen, which has it now has like an image. And this will be some kind of like image taken whilst on vacation somewhere. This is a of Adina taken on a trip we took a couple of years ago. And I've got weather there, which is very important. And I also brought batteries in because that's also very important when you're on your vacation. Mm -hmm. And then on the home screen, again, I have the batteries widget, very helpful. I have the tripsy widget, very helpful. So I have Find My there. And I have the basic apps that I'm going to need while I'm traveling with two spots that are spare and that will be Mm. apps related to the trip that I'm on. Like when I was at WWDC, I still use the vacation one and I would add the Apple developer app there the wallet app because i was going to need those and so depending on the trip that i'm on i will add apps that are relevant to this vacation lock screen which i find to be like a very helpful thing to do you know like if you go into a theme park and they have an app and put it on your home screen and it's there whenever you need it you know
1: yeah yeah for any of that kind of like holiday stuff you need that spare space for mm-hmm. whatever it is like i'm a big believer in spare space on your home screens and lock screens i've just got to say though like You're killing me here with the wallpaper being the same for all of these modes. You change your lock screen Mm -hmm. wallpaper, but you don't want to change the background wallpaper. Like, I know you love that literal wallpaper that Mm -hmm. is your wallpaper, but doesn't that like mess with your brain, right? That you're on vacation and the wallpaper is still exactly the same? Not at all. Because the apps are different. It grabs your attention that wallpaper, right? It it really dominates the scene. Uh-huh. So I feel like it has such an impact uh-huh. that you might want to change it for different, but you just don't. I can tell you, just don't. Okay.
0: It's like if you change all the furniture inside of your house, you know it's different. If you leave the paint or the wallpaper on the walls, it's not like you know.
1: I don't approve of this analogy.
0: I know, know you don't. Is- <laughs> I, I also, as I got halfway through it, realized I didn't know how I was going to finish it. But the point still stands. I change the lock screens. I don't know why I do that.
1: I just do that. Like it's Mm -hmm. fun to mess around with them. No, you you change the lock screens because you do it to mentally reinforce that you're in a different mode. That's why you change lock screens. Yeah,
0: but my app layout
1: does that on my home screen i guess i'll just have to believe you but it's like i can't <laughs> believe it's like oh my god you've shown me four focus modes in a row and the wallpaper is the same on all four focus oh modes? buddy you this got another ridiculous. two don't
0: you don't you worry <laughs> we're gonna go for a perfect 10 here you
1: know? no we're not it can't possibly be a well perfect we'll find 10. out
0: i have a weekend focus mode now this is new year of the weekend weekend focus mode
1: Okay, right. So this is, it's different thing that you're focusing on related to your theme. I'm sure I'm going to click on this, and I'm going to see a different wallpaper. You're going to see the same uh, wallpaper. No,
0: god damn it! You're going to see the same wallpaper, <laughs> mostly the same. It's apps. also
1: a photo of Adina in front of that wallpaper. That's like, my. That's you, my average. Like that's the regular are you lock screen. Me? <laughs> this is the regular lock
0: screen. Really, the main difference okay. here is. <laughs> I do actually need to change this. I've just looked at this now and realized I have not updated this lock screen because I still Mm -hmm. have due there and I want to remove that and put the little due uh, widget in instead. So I need to change that around. I'm going to do that today, actually. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny. In preparing for this episode, I have made multiple changes to multiple lock screens. And this is one that has not been done. So I would do that. So the Dew app will be gone. And I'll put um, where I've got WidgetSmith right now, I'll put the Dew widget there as well in a little stack. Mm-hmm. And then on the second screen here, it's just a kind of a simplified version showing me the home thing, my widget thing, and also Box Box, which is a Formula One app. So it has the times of the next races, which always happen on the weekends. So I want to know. And then I also have the Sonos app.
1: Is that a little picture of the racetrack? Is that what that is?
0: That's a visual layout of the racetrack, yeah. Mm.
1: Cool, right? Yeah, that is cool. It's a very Mario Kart. This app is really nice. Like, I, I
0: like it. It also has a live activity in there, which I enjoy. So, like, there's a, a live activity for the race. If you are not watching or whatever, you can enable the live
1: activity and see who's winning. I'm only laughing because, it's like, oh, someone I know who actually uses the pitched use case of live activities, which was like, you can follow the sports game. Yeah. 'Cause I'm just so not into sports, I, my brain filed that away as like, ah yes, what a lovely developer example of like how to make a test case. It's like, no, no, people actually do that, right? Like yep. this is very important to them. I'm so
0: one of those people. Nice. Sports.
1: Okay, so when you're going to sleep, mm-hmm. sleep's gotta look different. Nope. It yep, does not. It does.
0: It's different widgets. <laughs> it's uh, <not> different. <laughs> so <laughs> everything's different. I only have one page for my sleep home screens. God and damn, basically what we're seeing scary. here is YouTube and Audible are being added. It's so like YouTube, I watch videos at night to wind down. Same as audiobooks at night to wind down. And then I also have a little home, little square home one. And these are the lights I need at night, right? Make sure the lounge lights are off downstairs and maybe the bedroom lights are on while we're getting ready for sleep and then turn them off. It's just like an easy way to get that
1: done. Do you really find that YouTube winds you down at night? That feels like a bad choice for, I'm going to go to bed, so I'm going to watch some YouTube videos. Like, that. Yeah. That works for you? I mean... It's not all like,
0: hey, guys, uh, you know, it's not all, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, watch me make these knives.
1: If that works, for, I just feel like the related videos are always there trying to just like keep you focused on the app forever as opposed oh, to something great. like Audible.
0: Great. You're talking to somebody who doesn't pay attention to related videos. Oh, OK. I'm very good with YouTube. Like I don't watch things that are on the front page. I just watch stuff from my watch later queue. That's my world. Subscriptions, ah, okay. and then I only watch things from the Watch layer queue, so it's very easy for me to ignore most of what YouTube is trying to give me.
1: <laughs> it's like, good try, YouTube. Do you want to watch shorts? We've got shorts for you. Please, none of that stuff finds <laughs> its way to me. Please watch the shorts. Okay, good. I still feel like I don't know for a sleep focus, you might want to have a like a dimmer wallpaper, you know, something that's just a bit more. Okay, can I negotiate with you here? Would you consider? taking your current wallpaper which you obviously love but just like why in no, just, <laughs> i haven't even said it <laughs> i was just gonna say like put a little vignette on it why? or just you know pull the sat- saturation down or so it feels more like bedtime that's why i don't why. need it oh god i don't know why this really bothers me like, i don't know why it bothers <laughs> you either it's fine like it's not a problem okay i also have some watch faces for you I'm glad you can't put wallpaper on watch faces. All right, let's take a look at your watch faces. I'm unhappy. Oh, yeah, really? I think like you and everyone else on Earth.
0: Because I have a new watch now, right? I have the Apple Watch Ultra. Mm. And the watches, faces I'd used before don't look good on the Apple Watch Ultra. I used to, I used to like a lot of the round watch faces. The round mm. watch faces do not translate very well to the Apple Watch Ultra. Mm-hmm. So I've decided that the best thing for me to do is just do what the Apple Watch Ultra wants me to do. And I use the modular Ultra watch face. Mm-hmm. And what I will say is, while I do not like the look of this watch face, it is very utilitarian. It is it is helpful because I have like a billion complications on this watch face, right? So I have top left carrot, then due, then a uh, fantastic cow showing me the date. Mm. Then I have the big fantastic cow in the middle showing me my next appointment. Then I can see my activity rings. I can get to my medications app and timery like ton of information which is good and i can access the things that i'm doing most often right there Mm -hmm. but i just don't like the way it looks but this watch is so huge i figure i've just got to lean into it i can't try and fancy it up
1: anymore this is just what it is let's rewind back in time the apple watch has just been released Mm -hmm. and someone shows you and and they go someday here will be all of the watch faces that you can use Mm -hmm. and then i was able to see the current slate of watch faces, I go, wow, I can't believe how many they're going to have by next year. And then the time traveler would say, oh no, no, this is going to be 10 years later. (laughs) Like we've mentioned it a million times, but it is just mind blowing to me still how limited and locked in time these Apple watch faces are. What you've just said, is the truth of like trying to make it look good is this endless battle. And it always feels like they find a way to force you to decide between two different things and it's like but no i would like this watch face to do these two things and it would look much better so it was like no 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 like you can have this part be colored but not that part be colored or like whatever it is it's just incredibly frustrating this new apple watch ultra face yep okay we, we've got a new one but it's still the same it's still the same as all of them and yeah yeah, it's just very frustrating.
0: What I do like about this new one compared to some of the other ones is like it has that ring around the outside and there's a few things you can do with it. Mm-hmm. And I have it set to ticking seconds, which I do find to be helpful.
1: Yeah, you know, a decade in the future, but we can put a ring on it that shows you the seconds. <laughs> Thanks, guys.
0: I also have a travel watch face. These are the only two watch faces I have.
1: Only two? Interesting.
0: What else is, this is the first time I've ever set another watch face, so maybe I'll do more in the future. Hmm. Because before, I really was just trying to make it look the best it could be, when now I'm trying to lean into the utility. Right. Uh, But this is my, like, traveling watch face. And I'll probably set one up for maybe for vacations, too. But this is the first one I've done. And the reason I did it was because there was a flighty watch app now. And that's what the middle complication is, but it's blacked out. But it, that's the I put the flight D one there so that mm. it shows me my next flight information. Mm. Then I also have uh, removed due and added a quick access to my find items, right? So like I can find my air tags. And then in the bottom right, instead of timery, I have time zone in London, like the time in London, or I might set it to where I'm going to, for example, mm. until I've arrived there. So that is my travel watch face. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Memberful. Monetizing your passion takes work. You have to have the right platform in place to build a membership business that's best for your audience. But it's hard when you're already busy working with other projects. That's why Memberful makes it simple to build and run a membership business. And it's why we chose them when we wanted to build a membership program of our own with Mortex, the longer ad-free version of the show. This is powered by by Memberful. They have everything that we needed and everything that you need to run a membership program of your own, including a streamlined and powerful checkout process, an easy-to-use Memberful portal with a member management dashboard as well, and transactional emails. Memberful also allows us and will allow you to tailor a program that is best suited to your audience with custom branding, options for newsletters, podcast feeds, Gift subscriptions, Apple Pay support, free and paid trials, automatic referral discounts, and so much more. They have analytics as well to give you an easy to use, in depth view of what's working, what's not, and where to double down. Memberful seamlessly integrates with the tools that you're already using, like MailChimp. WordPress and Stripe. And also very important to us is Discord. So when you become a Mortex subscriber or a RelayFM member, you get access to the RelayFM membership Discord, which is a great community of people who have a lot of fun talking about things that they care about. And this is all very easily managed with no work from us by memberful. If you ever need them, you can contact Memberful's world-class support team that are ready to help you simplify your membership and grow your revenue. They act as support for you if you need it, if you have any questions, but they're also a support in making your membership program the best that it can be. They're passionate about your success, and you'll always have access to a real human. Go and check it out for yourself right now and see how Memberful can work for you. You can get started with no credit card required by going to memberful.com slash Cortex. It could be the next great move for your business. That's M-E-M-B-E-R-F-U-L Memberful.com slash Cortex. Our thanks to Memberful for
1: their support of this show and Relay FM. Alright, so the number one rule that everyone would know is if you're going to have different focus modes and different setups for doing different kinds of things in life, you want them to look different. Mm. You want them to be visually, immediately, obviously different. Interesting. You can do that with app arrangement is one tool, but it's not a sufficient tool. You want to also try to use color and you want to try to use imagery so that it's just immediately obvious huh. that you are in a different Mode. Communicate oh. that instantly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not so, sure. so I've pulled out the main focus modes. I've sent you a copy of mm. all the different things that I have. So on a high level, I have a lot of the similar modes that you do. So I've got like weekend, I've got travel, I've got sleep, a do not disturb mode. Mm. And then I've got a mode for health, a mode that I call core for what I think of as core work, like the most important stuff that usually means writing. And then I have a mode called open, which is basically like my default mode for the phone. Now, bunch of modes. How do you distinguish them? Well, Apple this year added these absolutely lovely planetary image backgrounds. And so I've decided to go through all of my focus modes and pick one of the planets with a slight exception, to represent each of these modes.
0: Oh, a planet? How on earth can you discern between the different shapes? Uh, Because
1: the planets look different. If it's all the
0: same shape and a black background, (laughs) uh, surely these planets don't look that different. I've never bumped into a square planet before, have you?
1: (laughs) No, I have not bumped into a square planet before. But I will say, if you decide to go with this mode, you will realize, oh, we don't actually have a lot of different colors for the different planets. There's obviously the standout of Saturn, right? Which has the rings that makes it more visually different. Earth looks quite different. But then if you're like, oh, right, Neptune and Uranus look like basically like the exact same planet. Mercury and the moon are quite difficult to tell the difference like at a glance. So I've eliminated the similar ones. But it did make me feel like Ah, we could use more colors in these planets, right? We could use more differentiation for different ones. Why do they all have to be planets? Why can't you just use completely different images? Or like things that all relate to the thing that it is? Here's the problem, Mike. If you're trying to pick, like in my case here, six, seven different wallpapers to represent these different modes, I would want them to be distinct, but also... Related, And that's actually quite a difficult task to find wallpapers that go together nicely, but also are visually distinct in their colors. And so this was the kind of task where... I was driving myself crazy because I would find, like, ooh, I've got four good wallpapers that work together, but these two just don't quite fit. And it's like, well, let me try to fix this problem by finding a new set of six wallpapers that can work perfectly well. And so, When Apple came out with those planets, I made the decision for my own mental sanity. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to work with what Apple gave me. There's enough choices here. So I'm just going to stick with the planets for each of the different focus modes. And I think it looks really nice. And there's enough of them that are enough different with the colors that it can be just immediately obvious which thing are you doing. Sure. So, yes, this is what I do. For me, as you can see, many of these focus modes are... Quite bare, So, like if we take a look at do not disturb, which I've used as the moon, leave me alone, right? Nobody come here. I just don't have anything on my phone for the do not disturb mode, because the only circumstances in which I use that are circumstances basically which I shouldn't be using my phone anyway. So like we're recording the podcast right now, put the phone in do not disturb mode. I'm not going to do anything with the phone because we're recording a show. I don't need anything here, so I'm just going to not have anything on the screen at all. And I really like having it like that. I mean, it's good to know when you do not disturb, when the
0: sun's gonna go down. It's good to have a little lock screen, Got out the old the old sun down there. It's
1: good. Why are you making fun of me for that? Because
0: you started it. We were perfectly cordial, and then you're like,
1: oh, look at your wallpaper. So I assume
0: the dock here, we have three shortcuts, I'm assuming.
1: Oh, yes. Right. Okay, yes. The only thing that I can do in any of these modes that have nothing on them is, yes, the dock. I've got three shortcuts. Years ago, I used to have a launcher down here, which brought up like a list of a bunch of different things that I could use. And I decided, you know what? I can easily 80, 20 or 90, 10. Which of these am I actually using basically all of the time and just search for the rest and get rid of this launcher? So I've gone down now to three things. They're all input shortcuts. So one is for OmniFocus, one is for a new note, and one is for Cortex, for something to talk about on the show. So those are the three that I leave on the bottom. It's just like input. I have a thought. It needs to go somewhere. Mm. Basically, all of the time, it's going into one of these three things. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a little problem that we'll get to later, which is... Like Stuff should also be going into Obsidian, but we can get to that at a later point. This is like most of my use case for just about absolutely everything. So those are my items in the dock. So So I guess later on we'll find out where they're actually going. (laughs) Because
0: that didn't sound too good. I also like that you've had what I kind of consider (laughs) as like the very typical shortcuts experience, which is like... I'll start one shortcut. Now I'll make a shortcuts menu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 20 yeah, shortcuts. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll realize I don't use them all. And so I'm just going to go back to the ones that I really need rather than like my multi shortcut, the omni shortcut, every shortcut possible, you know? And people end up like pairing that back over time.
1: This is the exact same experience that people have when they get into time tracking, right? Is the like, mm. oh, I'll, I'll just track. Work and like, oh, just see how many work hours I do. And then it grows into like incredibly fine distinctions for absolutely everything. And then you get paired back to like, no, wait a minute. There's really only four things I care about. I don't care about everything in my life. I don't need to time track these really subtle differences. So yeah. Hang on. Don't you track everything? I'm always running a tracker. But there's a distinction here of, like, how fine-grained right. are the differences right, between right. the trackers. Okay. And I, I just see this with everybody, and I also went through it with time tracking. Yeah. It's like, you wildly expand to, like, I'm going to time track the individual books that I'm reading. And it's like, really? <laughs> right. You don't need to do that. That doesn't make any sense. And people then pare it back and go, like, just reading is fine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the same thing with shortcuts, like you said. You sort of explode into a billion number of shortcuts, and then you go, yeah, but... 90% of the time, I'm using these three, and that's fine.
0: And then you also have a corresponding empty watch face.
1: Would we call this watch face empty? We have
0: the weather on it. Well, I'm assuming that the other ones maybe have more complications on them.
1: I, well, I just wanted something that was non-distracting, right? Okay. I feel like I've just gone with a, you know, no numbers watch face, just the weather, basically black and white, matching the moon. Mm. It's actually a slight subtle gray there. Naturally. So. But yes, once again, trying to pair watch faces with modes is uh, exercise in disappointment. Yes, this is probably one of the better ones, and we're going to get to like sad, ugly ones later. Oh, I look
0: forward to it. So, <laughs> where next
1: on the tour? Which planet are we going to now? If we're on the moon, then I guess we'll go to Earth next. Slightly disappointing because I could see that I have travel set up exactly the same way that you have travel set up, so that's completely uninteresting. But I do cheat, and I use Earth twice, which... I'm just like a little bit upset at having to use the same planet twice. But Apple does provide this thing where you have two options of like the zoomed in Earth and the zoomed out Earth. Yeah, because the zoomed in one is good for travel
0: because it is showing you where you are. I think that's kind
1: of. Yeah. So the zoomed out Earth is what I use for my open mode. And this is basically like the default mode on the phone almost all of the time. Basically the way my day works is like I start out in the core for like doing my actual work or it's the weekend and then in the afternoon this rolls over into open mode and I call it open and I use the earth because this is the period of time in which notifications will actually reach me
0: this is when you will communicate with people on earth
1: that's exactly right. why it okay. the earth. No,
0: i like it because then in the other ones look if you are from mars i'll speak to you if you're not i want to know
1: <laughs> i get it I get so the, it. yeah so the open mode is the only time i'm having anything to do with other earthlings hence the earth mode okay. and i guess it also works for travel too right Is like i'm having to like get yeah. through all of these other earthlings around me to like yeah. get wherever i'm going So this is the time where notifications can come through, apps can have like badges and things. This is the one, that's the afternoon one. I don't have anything wildly interesting here. Again, I like to try to keep things relatively simple, so... Yeah, I would like to ask on the lock screen, Mm -hmm. what is the complication with the little flame? Okay, yeah, so on the lock screen I've got batteries, activity, the weather... The flame one is zero, which is that fasting application that I've mentioned in previous Ah, years. So it's a little timer and it just shows a little icon which tells you like which phase of the fast are you in. So that's just something that I have. What does a
0: flame have to do with it? Are you burning calories now? Is that what's going on?
1: That's basically what they mean. Is like, yeah, you're in the fat burning zone of your fast. That's basically what it means.
0: If I was doing that, and I was hungry, I would not appreciate that little countdown.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is like a whole other thing. But yeah, I've just been sort of keeping track of this. This is part of my, people know, like I've always skipped breakfast for forever. Mm -hmm. I guess this falls in the same category of I'm always running a time tracker. And so this little timer of like, when are you done eating for the evening to just start it, like slipped right into my routine super easily. Yeah. This to me is actually the primary benefit because I feel like the danger is always evening time, but like you're snacking for the whole evening. So this is also more about like, it's not really so much for me about when the timer runs down, like I don't care and I will blow past this at all times, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you've got uh, two hours left to hit your whatever goal. It's like, I don't care, right? I don't care, timer. It's much more about making a little decision of like, okay, it's 8 p.m., I'm like done eating for the day. And I know that because I press the button to start the little fasting timer. So that's what that thing is. Okay. And then on the home screen itself, I just have the weather and I have an OmniFocus widget, which is showing me a list that I call now, which is basically most of the things that are available to me just sorted in a kind of project slash priority order.
0: You got a lot left to do today.
1: Yeah. 23
0: tasks. That's like three days for me.
1: (laughs) That's rough stuff. Good luck. It's why I was intrigued by the do thing that you were mentioning before is because I think I should experiment with pulling out some of the more smaller personal tasks that might fit into uh, this category of like, it needs to be done today. It doesn't really make sense in a major project and it helps to be nagged. So, like, I have a ridiculous number of things in my OmniFocus, Mm. and so it always looks like, oh, Gray has, like, a crazy number of things, but I rarely ever think that, like, oh, I'm going to get to the end of this list today. Like, that's just not how I use the system, and it's more like they're ranked in priority, and you just, like, work your way down the list, and a bunch of, like, huge numbers of very small things, like, take out the trash, right? take your vitamins or whatever like a bunch of things like that are in there as well so it's just a different use for a task manager yeah okay so i guess we're going to go to mars next which is obviously mars is for sleep why wouldn't the moon be for sleep I don't know. <laughs> why? okay so why? i'm glad you asked Mike. Ah. why isn't the moon for sleep because it does seem like the moon should be for sleep yeah but it's not for sleep, because in the actual real world, when you're using your phone, the moon's color is basically bright white, like in the evening time, right? It's the end of the day, or like you're getting ready for bed, and you look at your phone, and there's a, there's like a circle of a flashlight just shining into your eyes that right. is your phone drawing the moon. So. I basically chose Mars because it is the reddest planet. It is the like the darkest sleepiest color of all of the planets to choose from, so that is why Mars is the sleep focus.
0: Okay. Because it's a sleep focus, you don't have the image of Mars on the lock screen just on the home screen.
1: It is very faintly on the lock really? screen,
0: but it Oh it yeah, is. I can kind of see that. Right? It's barely there. you have like the always on. It's like doing the sleep thing and the always on. I get that. It really, really dims the wallpaper in sleep mode.
1: Yeah. So you could easily miss it. But you won't miss it if you're actually in like a completely black room. Then sure. you're like, oh, you can actually see that it's there. But yeah, the sleep mode, I have that setting where it dims the wallpaper. Which, so here's the thing. I do like that for the wallpaper, for yeah. dimming the wallpaper. But, okay, Apple Watch frustrations. I have an Apple Watch face yep. for sleep mode. So this is the same face that you were talking about, like the modular ultra face. Is it? It is. So I actually really like this watch face. I think this is super classy. You get like big, tall numbers in the middle. Uh. You can turn off basically all of the complications. Uh. But this is the ultra face. And I feel like if you remove basically everything, and expand the numbers in the middle, I kind of think it's one of the nicest watch faces that Apple makes. But this is what I was talking about before with Apple forces you to make decisions that are very frustrating. So I use this face for sleep because it has an option which says, oh, do you want this watch face to go into sleep mode? You can make it red. So instead of having the time be white numbers, you can make them red numbers. I love it. When I found that, I was like, oh, cool. I can't wait to use this watch face and I'll just set different colors for all of the different focus modes that I use. No, you can have it white or you can have it red. Those are your only two choices. Like, God damn it, Apple. Like, let me make it like this, but yellow? No, you can't do that, right? It's like, you can change <sighs> the
0: color, but it changes the color of everything except the numbers, which are always white everything except the
1: numbers. So frustrating. Like this again is the thing of like, it's the most obvious thing that people might want to change. And they always gets you, right? It's the same thing with like the watch hands. Like, oh, we can change everything except the watch hands. No, you can't change the watch. It's so frustrating. And so like, I really like this as a super simple digital watch face, but I just, I use it on one other thing, but I would use it everywhere if I could just change the color of the actual numbers. It was yeah. like no, red or white. That's it. It's very weird. Yeah. This watch on your wrist that has more computing power than has sent actual people to the moon cannot draw these numerals in a different color. It's like, oh, <laughs> so frustrating. What next? Take me to another planet, Gray. So my very easy method just. So Jupiter, let's go to health. Why? I guess I'm realizing in this conversation with you, I feel like I have strong feelings about the planets that you just don't. but no of course i don't why would i associate jupiter in health why would i do that jupiter is like the biggest and burliest of all the planets right it's like if any planet lifts jupiter totally lifts bro like it obviously does
0: but maybe like jupiter is just for show you know another planet is actually stronger but jupiter
1: just like bulks up <laughs> i was actually just mentally flipping through the roster of planets been like who could that be? And like, no, I don't think anybody else what does. What about Saturn? No. Saturn's like holding the rings up. Saturn is the planet that's like for looks, right? It's got the flashy rings. Fair enough. Okay, so for the Jupiter one, this is where things are actually kind of useful. So Jupiter's the coolest looking planet, right?
0: With the friggin' storm going on. You're like, what
1: are you doing, man? The storm is very interesting. It's super cool. It's like, oh, it's always there. It's like, oh, wow. Okay. So because Jupiter obviously lifts... On the home screen, this is where I have all of the apps related to health. So particularly when I'm doing an exercise, it triggers to flip into the health mode. So this is also like what you would have for fitness, right? Yeah. I originally called this fitness. Yeah. But I ran into a problem where Apple has fitness hard coded. Yes. As a mode. And I cannot remember what it is now, but that caused some problem for me with some automation. The fact that it was like hard-coded just didn't work. I cannot remember what it was now, but I had to change it to a more generic name.
0: Yeah, I have a fitness focus mode, but all it does is just turns off my notifications, basically. Right, right. Although, it stopped working with the new watch. I don't understand why, but that's the thing I need to work out for another time. But yeah, I, I don't have anything special for it. it sh- it's purely just like a, I, don't, I just don't want any notifications when I'm working out of any kind. And I just leave it at that.
1: Yeah, so it's the same thing here. Like I feel like you, I just don't want any, no- whatever it is, it can wait until after. It yeah. will
0: wait 45 minutes, right? Like it just will. And I just don't want the distractions.
1: Yeah, completely agree. So I've got uh, FitBot on here, which is my exercise app that I mentioned before. Just totally love life-changing sponsor of this episode, I believe. Yep. Hugely important life-changing app for me. I also have the regular Apple Fitness one, and I have the Apple Health app on here. The Health app is ruining the aesthetic of this home screen. God damn it, mike you're right <laughs> everything is fitting
0: even the fitness app because it's got like the good hue that fits with the other colors and in
1: health is just like
0: God yo i'm here too you know
1: to- you know what you're totally right okay so i'm just like right now i'm gonna add to omni item like create shortcut yeah. because it's gonna bother me yeah. create shortcuts for health app you're totally right i can't unsee it now <laughs>
0: I feel like maybe like maybe if it was black with the heart that was pink, that might look kind of nice because then it would like fit with the fitness app a little bit, that might be kind of cool.
1: But. Yeah, you're right Okay, so this gets filed under bugs in OmniFocus. There's a lot of, so. a lot of
0: calculators. Pounds to kilograms, <laughs> kilograms to pounds. Smith plate calculator, I don't know what that means. Plate calculator, there's a lot of things going on there.
1: Okay, so what's happening here is the weights that I use, that mm. I have at home, the power block stuff, they are in pounds. But in the UK, this is crazy to me, in most, but not all gyms, weights are given in kilograms. Yeah. But a surprising, like, when I go on great a surprising number of gyms actually use both systems. Mm. And you won't know unless you ask someone to be like, wait, what's going on with these weights over here? Like, 90% of stuff is in kilograms in the UK, but I would say 10% of stuff is in pounds. So... By sheer number of times, I am most frequently exercising at home with my weights that are in pounds, especially this year because of uh, some of my theme stuff. I've also been going to my local gym a bunch because they have equipment that I don't. Their most things are in kilograms. So anyway, Hmm. the long story short is in FitBod, the setting for changing between pounds and kilograms is in kind of a weird spot. And changing back and forth in FitBot is basically kind of a pain. And even within the same gyms in the UK, I sometimes need to calculate between pounds and kilograms. <laughs> That's right? weird. It's very weird. So I made a decision. I was like, okay, what's the easiest thing that I can do? I should, in theory, because I'm in the UK, just do everything in kilograms. But since the weights in my house were pounds, and also since I grew up with pounds and still think in pounds, I was like, no. Just like Fahrenheit, right? Like I'm holding the line on pounds are the correct unit of weight. And so I made a bunch of shortcuts to just auto. All. Well, I, look, I'm just, I'm not interested in I, your agreement. I know,
0: but here's the thing. You can say what you want, and I just need to state that I disagree. <laughs> that's all. No one's going to have to try and convince anyone of anything. I just yeah. feel like I need to just come out in, in favor of Celsius and kilograms.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, Fahrenheit is the best in height. We all know this, and pounds. Fahrenheit is the worst the... in height. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm actually quite movable on pounds. I don't. I'm not particularly wedded to pounds. I think kilograms are fine. Mm-hmm. But so I spent a little time, and I just made some shortcuts to do the quick pounds to kilograms back and forth conversions. The reason I like kilograms
0: mm-hmm. is that. The smaller is a gram and there's a hundred
1: in a kilogram. I've got some bad news for you about how many grams are in a kilograms and what the word kilo
0: means. And there's a thousand in a kilogram. Leave me alone forever. But like you've got pounds and ounces. Like how many ounces are in a pound?
1: God damn it. We don't need to have this conversation right but you, now. okay, like, This is
0: why I also don't like feet and inches. It's like the similar thing. I was like, I can't remember all of this. You know, I just want a simple thing of like there's 100 or a 1, thousand who could know uh, between these things.
1: <laughs> I just appreciate you demonstrating the mistake that all of my physics students did. Yeah. Like, this is one of these things that drives me crazy when people are like, the metric system is amazing. It's like the person saying that is almost always a nerd and overestimates how rarely normal people will make a mistake going back and forth. But the
0: thing is, though, great.
1: Okay. I made the
0: mistake, but I can see that I've made the mistake very quickly. Right. I can't do the same thing for feet and inches or like pounds and ounces. Mm -hmm. If I say it's six and then actually it's nine, it's just not as easy to realize that I've made the mistake. Yeah, it's totally fair. Yeah, yeah. Like making the mistake is fine, but like how quickly can you correct it? And like I will realize very quickly that, you know, if I'm trying to do something like, oh, no, wait. This is nowhere near enough, but with mm-hmm. pounds uh, and ounces, you could be really close. Look, I made that. the mistake and I'm not editing it out, so I've at least got to
1: try and defend myself, you know? Yeah, no, that's that's totally fair. That's yeah. totally fair. And the conversion system is better. Again, I just, I just feel like everyone who doesn't who didn't grow up with imperial overestimates how often you actually switch between the units. Like this is a much rarer thing.
0: I mean, I did grow up with
1: imperial. The UK has a weird mixed system. I, I don't I understand why. know, and there's why. this
0: weird, like, counterculture of people trying to bring it back as well, which just like get over yourself man it's gone all right like imperial's gone nobody wants to deal in that anymore stop trying to bring gallons back into the equation yes
1: but you've literally picked the example where again the uk has this i know but people want to bring gallons
0: and quarts back for milk and it's like what are you doing just like get over yourself we've moved on
1: (laughs) oh i'll agree with you there
0: yeah that ship has totally yes
1: no one wants to live in this world everything's in liters and milliliters yes Although I, st- I still kind of hate milliliters. There's a hundred milliliters in a liter.
0: There's <laughs> a thousand milliliters. <laughs> Where are we going?
1: Ah! <laughs> <laughs> with milliliters, is like, why does this tiny bottle have such a big number? I hate it. I oh, hate no. it so much. Like, well, oh, this tiny bottle of water. How many milliliters? 300. <laughs> Here's what I think
0: we can all agree on. None of these systems are good. They're just like different forms of okay.
1: What we can all agree on is you shouldn't have a mixed system, (laughs) which a surprising number of countries do. It's like the UK, India canada like they've got these mixed systems it's like guys pick a side right pick a side <laughs> anyway apps <laughs> apps let's go back to apps. <laughs> anyway unit conversions you know what they're really annoying so you can make shortcuts to do it for you mm-hmm. i'll just point out the two you asked about there is like plate calculators and smith plate calculators so I was originally just doing the math in my head, and I was like, well, this is dumb, right? This is what machines are for. Just have the machine do it for you. And the advantage of making your own little shortcut is when doing things like the bench press or whatever, you can have the shortcut, because I'm thinking in pounds, right? But it's like I want a thing in kilograms, also then round to the correct unit of the plates in the gym that you're in and kind of like spit out the number in a format that you want right because you're putting plates on the bar Mm. so that's partly why I have these shortcuts there is like there's the regular machines there's the smith machines which i don't love and for incomprehensible reasons they have a different bar weight than just like a regular olympic bar i always feel like curse you smith inventor of this stupid machine i hate it but oftentimes it's uh if i don't want to wait around in it's the like gym forever the imperial it's like this version the of
0: the weight equipment <laughs> yeah i don't know what it is <laughs> it's like i hate it it's
1: like it's clearly designed so that people don't injure themselves but like i just don't understand how it's been elevated to be like every gym has one of these and it always feels like it would be much better just to have a regular olympic bar here that's what everybody wants nobody wants this smith (laughs) machine but whatever i'll use it if it's the only thing that's free so that's why i have it there these are like shortcuts that do real work for me all the time right like just i'm putting in a number give me the thing great boom 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 those are the three plates i need put them on fantastic Mm -hmm. The last little thing there, which I'll talk about later in the year, but I've been very intentionally doing a lot of like zone two heart exercise this year and on the list of things that's incredibly frustrating. It's like Apple doesn't track this as a separate metric. Like they'll tell you after each exercise how much time you've spent in zone two heart rate, but there's nowhere to get this data just as an aggregate out of the app I was even looking into with shortcuts, like, can I manually pull out like the heart ranges and backwards? count? No, you can't get access to this. Very frustrating. So because I want to keep track of how much time per two weeks am I spending in zone two, again, just made a little shortcut that asks me for a number of minutes, which I'm getting at the end of the exercise. And then that shortcut just, boop, it spits it into a little spreadsheet in numbers. Uh, So you're doing some manual entry. entry I see. So
0: you're going to the health app, looking at your workout, it tells you the zone breakdown, and then you're putting that in. That's an annoying system, isn't it? I'm
1: putting that number in. It's incredibly annoying. It's very frustrating. It's like, if I didn't care so much, I wouldn't bother doing this, but I actually really care about this metric. But every time, it makes me curse the Apple health app. Like, again... All year, there's been this theme of, like, Apple Health app, right? I I give you, like, my anti-app of the year award. Like, there's nothing that I use more that is also more frustrating. And this is, like, one of these key things of, like, you know this number. I know you know because you're telling it to me when I'm done with the exercise. I wonder if it's in the API. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I wonder if you can. (laughs) Underscore,
0: can you let us know? Yeah. (laughs) Please, Dave, can you tell us? (laughs) If anybody knows, Dave knows.
1: Yeah, he, he can copy paste some code just mm-hmm. to make it work, right? Mm-hmm. Just like copy paste the thing. So that's what I'm doing with input zone two There is just like throwing it into my own spreadsheet. So then I can just see like, okay, cool. I'm like above or below the average that I'm looking for with this number. Yep. Okay, so that's that's Blowing past my very easy method, just speed. So we're up to Saturn. So Saturn. Now, Mike, what mode is going to be Saturn? This one, you <laughs> must associate it. Please.
0: Well, I guess based on what you said, it's like the most showy off of all
1: of your focus (laughs) mods. Do you have fashion focus? What what is it? It's the weekend. Saturn. Okay. For Saturday. Saturn day. Yeah, Saturn day. That's where it comes from.
0: (laughs) Don't you say that to me because I'll tell that to other people. CGP Grey told me.
1: (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay. There's not much to say here. Saturn is for Saturday for the weekend. Again, another like pretty clear thing. I just want the weather. I have a little yellow watch face that I kind of hate to match. That just shows me like the top thing in OmniFocus.
0: I don't like this color
1: for the watch face. Yeah,
0: the just in general the yellow. I don't like. Yeah, that. it's like puce almost. Like it's not even really yellow. It's got like a too much green in it. I feel like I don't like it.
1: This is uh this is kind of like a compromise color. Yeah. This is one of these like I've got too many things clashing up against each other. I've always used yellow as free time in all of my calendar blocking and okay. time tracking. This is a problem just with human eyes. We don't perceive enough colors, right? You really only have 7. And it's a surprisingly few number to work with for lots of different things. So I go with the yellow. Saturn is like basically a yellowy kind of planet, but if I actually as I did with a little eyedropper, match the exact color of Saturn to be the yellow that's going to be displayed. It doesn't look right at all. It doesn't read as yellow on pure black. So, yeah. This is my least favorite aesthetically. Mm. It's a compromise. I acknowledge that. Well, I like a goldy color, but then not do the job. I could try something like that. Yeah. I might want to try that. The real frustration is when we go over to the watch face that... I can't quite get a yellow that works right for the focus mode. And so it has to have like this little green dot on the top. This is another one of these things. Apple, please, I'm begging you. Your watch faces are so ugly so often already. Do we have to show the icon for the focus mode on top of the watch? It's just there to ruin the look of the watch constantly. Do you know what goes on the top
0: of the watch is the notification dot. Right? Yeah. So why is there now something else up there? Yeah. I hate that.
1: I hate it so much, right? Why
0: on the watch? Like, why does it have to persistently tell me what focus mode I'm in?
1: It's crazy because, again, when you pull up a control center on the watch, it's also right there. Like, which focus mode are you in? I don't understand. The only way to disable this, as far as I can tell, is to disable the watch paying attention to focus modes at all, which completely cripples all of its functionality. Mm-hmm. It's infuriating. I swear, if I could lift up the screen of my Apple Watch and with a pin manually like blind and break every one of the pixels mm. that displays the focus mode, Okay. and just have them be permanently black, I would do it. I would do that to get rid of this and All just right. deal with like a black hole on the top of my watch. I hate it so much. I think we have we have one more. Yeah, I was going to say we've got the just the final one, also boring, which is core. So we go out to Neptune Ooh. for core. Neptune another <laughs> perfect Perfect emotional planet here. Oh, great. Like, I've just gone to the home screen. Uh huh.
0: They have such little on this home screen. But just so you know, for the next 54 days, St. Nick's Day is coming. (laughs) Make sure you don't forget. You count it down every day, you know? St. Nick's Day.
1: So, Mike is making fun of me because last year you recommended a little app called Up Ahead, which is just a, a simple little, like, hey, what's up next kind of app. And I really like it, and I am indeed counting down to St. Nick's Day. You laugh.
0: (laughs) I do. I I do. You're right. But it's
1: very serious to me, because St. Nick's Day is, for me, basically the mark of the end of the year. Like, all serious work should really be wrapped up by St. Nick's Day. It's not that, like, work doesn't happen after that. This to me is really like big things are done now and you need to set aside some time to actually enjoy the holiday season. So that's why I have it there. That's why it's on my core work screen is it is a countdown of like how much time do you really have left Mm. for serious work? If you're going to have a video up in December, you should really try to have it done before St. Nick's Day if you don't want to ruin your whole month right trying to get this done before the end of the year. That's why that's up there. It's the 6th of December. I
0: didn't know this. I had to Google it and I'm just helping people who were like what is St. Nick's Day? Uh-huh. Cuz I
1: also didn't know what St. Nick's Day was. So I have St. Nick's Day as the 5th of December, but different places celebrate St. Nick's Day on different days, and there's a St. Nick's Eve, which is on the 5th.
0: Wait, so do you observe Imperial or metric
1: St. Nick's Day? (laughs) I observe Imperial (laughs) St. Nick's Day, as all good Dutch descendants do. Ah, okay. I wondered why, like, why have I no idea about this? But I guess... Again, as as the child of a Dutch immigrant, St. Nick's Day was an annual thing every time growing up. Is this but... like similar to how, like,
0: a lot of European countries, they celebrate Christmas and Christmas Eve like it's when people open their presents
1: and stuff. Yeah. So we also basically did Christmas on Christmas Eve yeah. for the exact same reason. Yeah. This is how things were done in the old world before we emigrated to the United States. I have no
0: idea what happened there where like it's the same traditions, but people do them on different days,
1: like in the days off by one. Like I have mm-hmm. no idea how that happened. I don't need to know. But yes, you're exactly right. It's like, St. Nick's Day is kind of like Christmas, and this, is it St. Nick's Day, or is it Christmas Eve, or is it St. Nick's Eve? Like, this same confusion has totally happened in different places.
0: Well, only 54 days to go, so... Don't remind
1: me. I Bridget don't need to. enough every day. <laughs> I don't need to. You have an app that does it. Yeah, so that's the core one. Then just lastly, my watch face for the core kind of happy with it again it's that ultra face i think it looks pretty good in blue i've got OmniFocus in the center for what i need to do and that's it that's it what is that on the bottom right on the bottom right that's the fasting timer again in the oh. middle is a very old app, which is called uh, Better Date, which just shows the current date. But it has a little progress slider for how far you are in the month. Ah, I should okay. probably have this more prominent because I'm just constantly forgetting when it is. But I do like this one of like, ooh, we have a progress bar right, throughout the month. How close are we to the end? I don't just want the number. I want to see the little visual indicator. And so there we are. We've wrapped up the introduction to state this of the app. Entire. Super we've done fast. an entire
0: episode already. <laughs> we could just be done, and that's it. <laughs> but yet, this we just introduced it. But we're not done. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Fitbod. When you wanna change your fitness level, it can be hard to know where to start. That's why I'm pleased to let you know that FitBod is an easy and affordable way to build a fitness plan just for you. You have heard us talk about FitBod I think every year in state of the apps for a very good reason. FitBod is the very best fitness app out there. It's incredibly easy to use. They have over 1,400 HD video tutorials shot from multiple angles to make sure that learning every exercise is a breeze. They have achievements that you can keep track of and personal bests with, that are great progress tracking charts within the app. It integrates with your smartwatch and other apps like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health. But ultimately, what makes FitBod so great, it's a great app, it looks good to use, but what makes them so great is the algorithm that they have built to make sure that you are keeping on track with your fitness goals. FitBot knows that everybody has their own path to personal fitness. That's when it sticks and it's when you actually see a difference. So they learn about you, your goals and your training ability to create a custom dynamic program based on your experience and any equipment you have. This is all within an app that is so easy to use. Superior results are achieved when a workout program is tailored to your your unique body, experience, environment, and goals. They understand that you don't want to overwork muscles or underwork muscles. This can negatively impact your results, so they design a well-balanced workout routine that is for you. They mix up your muscle groups, exercises, sets, reps, and weight over time. This will increase your overall strength, keep your body sharp, and keep your sessions fresh and fun by mixing up your workouts with new exercises. Gray and I have spoken about the big impact FitBod had in our personal fitness journey. If you've yet to try it out, now is a great time. Personalized training of this quality can be expensive. FitBod, though, is just $12.99 a month or seventy nine ninety nine a year, but you can get a huge 25% of your membership by signing up at fitbod.me. So go now and get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me. That is F-I-T-B-O-D.me slash Cortex for 25% off your membership. A thanks to FitBod for their support of this show and Relay FM. Productivity apps. The cornerstone of a productivity app system is the to-do app. It is the to-do app. That is the
1: absolute core.
0: You know, when I sat down this year, Gray, to start Mm -hmm. my notes, I thought to myself, I'm very content with Todoist as my to-do app. Does everything the way that I want. And I have no desire to move apps anymore. I'm very happy with Todoist. Gray, how are you feeling? I'm feeling nervous, Mike. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I'm feeling a little nervous. Honestly, I feel nervous for you. Uh,
1: really? Yeah. So the situation is, obviously, I've been using OmniFocus for years. But also, for what is now a like growing percentage of those years, I have been hearing about OmniFocus 4, mm-hmm. which is in the works, The OmniFocus 4 first look
0: was published on May 10th, 2021. Oof.
1: Right. That was when they started the beta for
0: OmniFocus 4.
1: That's when they started the public beta of it. Mm -hmm. But I know, like, I spoke to people in person about OmniFocus 4 before then, Mm. when I was a bit like, hey, what's going on with this thing? (sighs) Yeah, so... The OmniFocus blog has been over this time, like publishing updates about what's going on and like how they're moving forward and the entire time they have been insisting that they are like on schedule to release the next version of OmniFocus and that this is not any different than the amount of time between the previous versions of OmniFocus. And I think all of that is true. I kind of take them at their word for this. Mm -hmm. But the end result, though, is like, boy. If it is going to be years between major updates, it starts to become a problem. And I feel like the latest release of iOS, and particularly Sonoma, has just, like, pushed this really over the edge. And I was feeling like, boy, I just, I hope OmniFocus is there, like, right after the OS goes out, and it wasn't, and boy... OmniFocus just feels so old and creaky on the current operating Mm -hmm. systems. They're saying later this year. I know that they're saying later this year, but I Mm -hmm. feel like it's really bad to miss the iOS launch and the Sonoma launch. Even if that was always your plan, like, oh, we're going to do it later this year, I just don't think it's good, and it particularly doesn't look good because there's no interactive widgets. Like, none of that widget stuff works. The widgets that exist on iOS, like... They are fine, but they feel very crowbarred into the system and they just kind of don't look good. They don't scale properly with anything.
0: I will say to-doists widgets are terrible. Okay. They're really bad. They've always been bad. But I don't want a widget of my to-do app on my home screen
1: mm-hmm. anyway, but they are very bad. Yes. Yeah, so like on my Mac, I was trying to use the widgets, but like OmniFocus was showing up as a like you could see the square block that was getting rendered for the widget, like inside the round borders is like, Oof, Right, that it? does that does not look good. <laughs> wow. Anyway, it's just one of these things of like, boy, they're just slowly adding up things where it feels like it just does not work great in the system. Again, I want to emphasize I've stuck with it because nothing is broken, but it just feels increasingly like, oh, my God this is very out of step with the current operating systems and like little things just keep adding up just like the, the minimum physical size that OmniFocus will take up on the screen is like quite large. It's like trying to you know make it fit in the little corners can be really frustrating. So what I dream happens is like, Oh, OmniFocus four gets released between the time that we record this episode and when it goes live and I don't have to worry about anything anymore, but the truth is I am just concerned and I was concerned enough that last month I did a kind of tour of the other to-do systems mm-hmm. that exist. I was like, I just want to, I want to like refresh my view of the field. Like what is out here? What's available? Mm-hmm. This tour went all the way back to remember the milk. Oh, jeez! It's <laughs> like, let me survey everything that I would reasonably use Mm. remember the milk was extra hilarious because I found my super old account and logged into it where it had to do's left over from my teaching career (laughs) like to do list archaeology like wow look at this whole system that's amazing I mean the truth is though I have one just such an incredible deal breaker for to-do systems, and it is this concept of the start date, that I am still just blown away by how many apps don't have this implemented at all or implement it very badly. Like, there are lots of things that OmniFocus does that are great, but, like, this to me is the key, and it is the single thing that makes it the hardest to move from absolutely anything else. So... After my survey of the field, I kind of had to make a decision. I was like, all right, assume that OmniFocus will not release this year. Will you still use it? And the answer I came to was yes, I will still use it because the other options are significantly less appealing to me. But boy, I would not be happy about that.
0: So I have not used... OmniFocus 4 for a long time. I was on the beta, but I let my beta expire at a certain point mm-hmm. sometime last year or whatever. And I will be frank and say, like, I I did not like the way the app felt to use. Mm-hmm. They were moving to Swift UI, and that's what they have stuck with. And the app just didn't feel right to use. And Maybe they've changed it. I don't know, but I'm just gonna say. Let's just imagine that enough has changed about the application that you don't like using the application anymore. Well, then, what do you do? Because like it is a new design, like the design is changing. Like you can see it in the the imagery that they've shared. It is very similar, of course, to the OmniFocus that you know, but it's it's different.
1: Yeah, I mean, I haven't used it in the beta. I've only seen the screenshots. I actually don't really have any problem with the screenshots. I'm not quite sure why people don't seem to like the design of that. I didn't like the
0: the way the app felt to use. But again, yeah. it was in beta, right? Like, i, I got to be fair and say, like, it wasn't finished and it was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But there was just something about it where it did not have the pleasant feeling that I'd had using the app before. But who knows where it is right now? I genuinely don't know.
1: Yeah, but this is a problem with like so when I was surveying the field of to-do list apps. Mm-hmm. This is a recurring problem where lots of these apps because they have an idea of working with teams or whatever, like they're using different systems. So some apps like did have start dates, but it would it would be the same thing where I feel like I just clearly don't like using this. Like this mm-hmm. is unpleasant to use in a way that is difficult to pin down. Like I can't exactly articulate why but i don't like it it's a funny thing like we used to say on the show that the market for to-do apps was infinite but i think i was also quite surprised in how how remarkably unchanged this whole world is since the last time i really went to look around like I kind of thought, oh, I'll find some new apps that I was unaware of since the last time. And the answer is like, no, not really. Like it's the same few ones that are the default answers for absolutely everyone. It's like you've got Omnifocus, you've got Todoist and, and like and all of the friends and like these are the things to choose from. So I might have to amend that to be something like, oh, the desire for to-do apps is infinite because everybody always wants them to work in their own specific way. But maybe something about the actual market market just can't support a large number of these things, or there's other like non-obvious reasons why there aren't a ton of brand new ones that have popped up. So that's my situation, is I am using OmniFocus. I will probably still continue to use OmniFocus, but I am concerned at this point in time where things feel potentially uncertain and even if there is a transition like i'll have to see what it is actually like for the next version when it comes out later this year i hope for success
0: for them and for you me too <laughs> i really do and i understand that like you know this takes a long time but it's i feel like they're going in a different direction and i I hope it plays off so that was a bummer yeah Tell me about how you're happy, Mike. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, just in general, Todoist does exactly what I need. Lucky and, you. Because <laughs> I, I keep things relatively simple, and mm-hmm. you don't. People have different systems. I keep mine relatively simple. You know, tasks, They all of them have a due date, and they all go in a project. That is essentially all I'm doing. And mm-hmm. I like that Todoist has a couple of views. It can show me my tasks for today. It can show me all my upcoming tasks in a chronological list. And then if I want to, I can go into any of my projects. It's just a simple system, but it works well for me. So I'm happy with
1: it, you know? Yeah. And like a good to do manager should in many ways be kind of invisible. Yeah. Like it's not the thing. Exactly. It's the thing that's pointing you to what you actually need to do.
0: Again, I will ding them for the poor widget support. I think that that is a very strange thing that they haven't done it because a lot of people would like it and Mm -hmm. their widgets last year weren't good anyway. I like the widgets that they added. Like it was just like a weird list of things that was like cropped in a strange way, just like lines of text. Mm -hmm. As of right now, they've not added any kind of interactivity to their widgets. I don't understand why, but that's where they are. But the thing that I am most in love with when it comes to my to-do system right now is the action button on my iPhone 15 Pro Max.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So on the Mac, it's very easy to put tasks into Todoist. Mm -hmm. I just hit command option and the Mm spacebar, and it brings up the Todoist quick entry window and I can just add a task no matter what I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. There is no way to do such a thing when I'm using my iPhone. I can have a shortcut, but I have to go somewhere else to activate the shortcut. Like if I'm in Slack and I want to add a task to Todoist, I have to leave Slack.
1: Oh, right. Okay.
0: Or I have to pull down my notification shade, slide to the left, and hit a shortcut or whatever, or like pull it down, and maybe I can hit the shortcut from the lock screen. But there's always a leaving of the app to do this. Mm -hmm. Enter the action button, where now I can just press and hold the action button, and it will pop up a shortcut that I have written, to add a task. And it doesn't leave the app. I can still see things that are in the window. Oh, right.
1: right. Okay. So it's just pulling down the text entry yeah. from the top. Yeah. Right. And I just uh, use the keyboard. Uh,
0: so this was a suggestion that our friend Federico made when we were thinking about the action button. And I've kind of adapted it a little bit further as well. So at first it was just like, give me a little to-do as task. Awesome. And I would do that. But then... It became like, well, what about if I want to add something to do as well? Mm-hmm. So what I've done is it says, watch your task. I tap out the name of the task. It says, what time do you want it to be? And I can put that time in natural language if I want to. I can make it look very simple. And then it says, what app do you want to add it to? And I choose either Todoist or Do. Hmm. And then it will just add it to the app. That I've chosen. So it's just like a pretty simple shortcut that just uses the native shortcuts for to Todoist and Do to just add in the information that I'm putting in a text box. It's very simple. And then also Federico built a shortcut called multi-button, which lets you add a second action to the action button based on a timer. So like if you press the action button and like do the action or press cancel, and then press it again within 7 seconds it will run a second action that you've chosen it's very clever currently i have this set to reminders but i'm thinking of adding that into the first one i'll get to reminders in a minute but like i'm enjoying playing around with the with the actual button stuff federico's thing is super cool i'll put a link in the show notes to it if people want to read more about it but my very favorite thing is just how easy it is for me to add things to my to-do system now
1: okay i think you've totally sold me on what should the action button be because i just haven't uh so bored by the colors and the new phone stuff so i haven't even like ordered the phone i don't have the action button or anything so i haven't really thought about it i have just like in a vague way i was like what might one do theoretically with an action button and i was like i guess the camera the camera makes most sense but you've totally sold me on no the correct thing here is input this is a button for inputting into other systems, especially if Tichi's magicked his way into doubling the functionality of the action button, then I feel like, yeah, it's very clear. Like this is a default input button.
0: Yeah, I really like it. It's just like, I could just press that button and add a task to my system and it works very well. I mentioned reminders. We're using this for family tasks now. We'd previously used Trello. I didn't like Trello. But now Reminders has their kind of column Kanban view. It's finding the middle ground between both what me and Nadina want. She really wants a column view. I don't really want to use Trello. And so I really like the way that Reminders works from an entry perspective. It's very simple and I can access it from anywhere in the system. I don't like Reminders as much as I like Todoist. I think for a lot of things in Reminders, you have to tap too many things. Like Mm. if you want to add a time to a task, you first have to slide a toggle to bring down the time thing, which is just very strange to me. But I like this more than I like Trello as a system. So that's working fine. And then because why not? Let's put another one in the mix. I also use Things. Mm. I love to do apps. I love to use all of them, but using for very different things, Things is used and has been for years for just checklists for me. I use it for my Cortex checklist. And I mentioned earlier, I also am now using it for a packing checklist that I've moved out of Notes. Things made some new shortcut actions to make it very easy to duplicate a template project in Things. Mm. And keep all of the formatting, like the headers and all that kind of stuff. So I now just have these two shortcuts, one for Cortex editing and posting, and one for my packing list. To just very easily duplicate these projects and have them become active. And so I use Things for that. It's
1: very nice. Yeah, I mean, Things wins clearly the award of best looking, sort of most pleasant to do app to use. Mm -hmm. Like it's just the design of Things is amazing. And I always find myself like drawn to Things and also just kills me because they sort of, but not fully have start dates. Like they have fuzzy start dates might be the way to describe it. Mm. But yeah, like I I find things is, is like just a great looking app. It's been around for a long time. And it is also interesting to me how Reminders does keep improving year on year. It's also something I was like, oh, if Reminders ever added start dates, like I would be willing to simplify my system down to maybe use something like that. Because yeah, I guess Reminders is for me the only other task manager I really use. And that's purely because the Siri integration is just so dead easy. I will just constantly, by voice, throw to Siri things that I want to be remembered, like, in X units of time. Remind me in two weeks. Remind me later this afternoon. Remind me tomorrow morning. Like, for those kind of one-off things, talking to Siri to just add stuff into reminders at a time is amazing. Like, I use that constantly.
0: Do I even want to ask... What Notes app you use? I I always feel like this is such a minefield that I step into every time I ask you this question.
1: I use the Notes app. Like, what else would I use? It's it's
0: great. Okay.
1: No complicated conversation to be had here.
0: What do you do in the Notes app, then? What goes in there?
1: Uh, Notes go in there. All sorts of notes go in there.
0: I feel like this is like a logic puzzle. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, I use the Notes app for everything, right? Mm. I have a bunch of show notes stuff in there. I have personal notes in there. You know, I have 762 notes in the Notes app. I just never delete anything. It just all goes in there, and it's great. Mm-hmm. The only work stuff that doesn't go into Notes is Cortex Brand stuff, which goes into Notion. Right now, what are you using? Like, What is going into, I'm assuming, Apple Notes? What are you putting
1: in there? I'm not using it for Notes, really. It's more like... I throw stuff into the notes app that needs to be properly sorted later. 80 to 90% of that stuff is really a question of where in Obsidian should this go? Slash does this deserve to be put into Obsidian? So I do use it as a kind of. Junk drawer for stuff that's later. Right? Like, oh, here's a thing to read. Here's a paper that's related to a video topic that you might want to look at later. I don't, for reasons we might get to later, I don't have a good way to throw that into Obsidian directly. I'm not 100% sure I would even want to, because a lot of this stuff exists for me as a kind of limbo. Like, notes is a very transitory area. Nothing should ever permanently live here, but it's a useful place to put all of the stuff before I decide where does this go, slash do I just delete this because future me doesn't care at all, which probably happens to the majority of stuff I put into notes. And like, Oh, this might be interesting as like, no, it's not really. And then I just delete it. So that's how I use the notes app. Where do they go? Okay. So like, here's an example, right? Earlier today, we were talking about a future cortex brand project Mm -hmm. and you showed me an example of like, here's a thing that we could do. That's like this. And you showed me a website. And so I said, ah, great. I want to check that out later. And so what I do with that is I just like, boop, share it. So it just becomes a note in my notes folder. Okay. Because this to me is the perfect example of what happens all the time. It's like, there's not really a task that's associated with this. We're not on any kind of remote timeline. It's just like, future Gray should take a look at this website Mm -hmm. and he will decide if any actions come out of this do we need to get in touch with anybody like what's the next step in this project right but right now it isn't anything it's just a like oh hey take a look at this at some point and i go i will where do i put that
0: i think where this threw me a little bit is like this is the like inbox model right yeah it's totally the inbox model that's how i use notes why not use the inbox in OmniFocus for this I don't like using the inbox for that kind of stuff because it's not flexible enough. I hear a lot of people have these kinds of things. They have like a mm-hmm. scratch pad note or whatever, right? Or yeah, like a like note where like just one note where stuff gets added. But what I don't understand and what like for me is what prompts you to ever look at it? Like why does it not
1: just become like a graveyard of things? What prompts me to look at it is that in OmniFocus, I have a repeating task, which is like clear out your notes folder. That's the only reason that this system works. Okay, If I didn't have an actual reminder, which is like clear this out... It would just be a graveyard of like, oh, stuff I thought once and never thought about again. Okay. Goodbye thought. So that's the only reason that this works. There's a task. All right. Fair enough. There is a task. But again, the other reason I don't put it as an inbox item in OmniFocus is because I have learned from experience, right? You can't always count on future you to know, like, what was the thing about this, right? Like... I will often just, like, write something quick in the note itself mm-hmm. about, like, what is this for future me? What are you even thinking about? Or, like, who gave this to you? So I like the freeformness of it. And also for me, it kind of does just act like a traditional to-do inbox because I'm not adding things to a single note. Each item is an individual note so i can delete them one at a time as i'm going through things so that's the way that i use it to
0: be productive you must spend your time well how is time management going for you
1: well how's time management
0: going for you mike oh no change it's great i use timery uh, full of timery widgets i will at s- maybe some point next year we'll do my little review of how i've been spending my time mm-hmm. but you know timery is just continues to just get better and better and better all the time i don't Understand how Joe manages to do it, but like I just am more and more happy with the app. I love having the timery widget on my Mac now, like on the desktop of my Mac, which mm-hmm. is like another quick way to get to it. I have a little widget on my watch as well as on the complication, it's everywhere I need it to be, and it it's super important to me that it's easy to access in so many different ways, whether it's through a shortcut. Or whatever, And it's just like a good way for me to keep track of what I'm doing. I think for me right now, the reason that I time track is so I can review it on an annual basis. Mm -hmm. That's my reason now. That data to me is so important when I'm thinking about my theme. It's so important when I'm thinking about how I want to spend the time in my life and in my work. And I'm just so happy with the fact that this is an important tool to me. But what's important is the data. So what needs to be good is the way in which the data is collected. And so that requires Timery to be easy to use, easy to access, and exactly where I need it on all the platforms that I use. And it is. And that's why I continue to use it religiously every day.
1: Yeah, Timery is amazing. I have an upset, though, this year. Oh! Right. So I have switched from Timery. Wow! I'm using an app called timelines. This is huge news. (laughs) It's huge news. (laughs) (laughs) So, Timery is amazing, but there is one specific use case where it does not work. And it does not work if you're offline. I've been doing a thing this year where I'm having big blocks where I'm just completely disconnected from the network at all. And so... When I started doing this, I realized very fast, I need to find a time tracking app that can work Mm. offline, that does not require an internet connection to start and stop a timer. I looked around, there's a bunch of time tracking apps, but for me, there was one that just clearly stood above all of the others, and it is called Timelines. The interesting thing about this is the difference in our use cases. So like you said, you really care about the data. For me, I do not care about the data at all. This year in particular is is like, oh, wow, my data is just totally messed up, right? Because I was trying out a bunch of different time tracking apps. And when you do that, things don't work right. So you get timers that are running for like 36 hours and you miss all kinds of stuff. So like my data this year is totally messed up. But I don't care because I have always viewed the time tracking as much more a tool that assists in intentional decision making. And it's a tool that I use on a scale of how is this day going compared to other days? And the thing about timelines is that it's clear that the developer of this app Also kind of thinks about time tracking along the lines of how I do it, where they have things like, do you have a goal for how much time you want to spend on this task today? If you do, cool. We can put a little widget on the home screen that fills in a bar for like, how much time did you spend writing today? How much time did you spend exercising today? The one that I always feel like I'm fighting against is what I call like transition which is I'm between two tasks. How much time in my day do I spend in transition? And so that one's a bit like, okay, I want to try to set a limit of like, don't go over this amount of transition time in a day. And then I can see a little bar of like, oh, you're getting close. So I think it's it's a very nicely done app. It looks good. Like I said, for me, the main thing is that it works offline. I will say, like, there are so many features from Timery that I do miss, and there are some decisions that I find kind of weird sometimes in the way that... Like, for example, when you're looking at a pie chart of how you spend your time, it doesn't automatically sort the wedges by size, which I find just a very strange decision on how to actually show information, but again because it is not critical for me to review at the end of the year how my time was spent, I've really been liking this app as like solving a particular problem of, I'm spending more time like not connected to the internet at all, but I still want to have a time tracker that works for me. And this one is somewhat more aligned with the general way in which I'm wanting to use these apps anyway. So uh, yeah. I've been using Timelines for, I think, about two or three months at this point. And uh, I like it. I like it a lot.
0: Yeah, it's interesting.
1: Visually, I, I do not like this app. Yeah, I can totally get it. Yeah. It looks old. So, yeah, I think when you dig into some of the screens, mm-hmm. like it definitely has a kind of older feel for it. Mm-hmm. This is also a case where with the new live widgets and things, So like on my standby lock screen in my office, I can just have it set to be like, show me the pie chart of how I've spent my day and then show me the bars of have I gone over or stayed under the times that I want. And it's like, that's what I want, right? That is like 100% of my interaction with this thing.
0: Maybe in fairness, this is being skewed by me looking more at the website than the App Store screenshots because the website, I mean, they're using like an iPhone 6. And so that's skewing by, like, how does does (laughs) it look? (laughs) I mean, what I say is when looking at the App Store screenshots, it's just a plain app, which is not a bad thing. It's just a different style of design. One of the things that I really love about Timery is I think that the app is very attractive, which I am in the app quite a bit, so I like how it looks. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting. If that is a use case that you want, you're right, Timery does not work offline. Mm-hmm. It's not really a thing that I run into very often, but I guess, it, again, it comes down to the very different ways in which we time track. Like, if I don't have an internet connection, I don't probably don't really have anything to track.
1: For me, very often, I do my most important work uh, when I'm not connected to the internet. Like, this used to be much more of an obvious thing for when I was flying. I was always a bit aware then of like, oh, right, I can't run timery now. Mm-hmm. And very frequently, it's like, I do my best writing on an airplane. This is amazing. Obviously, flights have been a less frequent thing in most recent history. But I've sort of recreated that in my own life for a few reasons. It's more self-imposed, no
0: internet connection.
1: Yeah, and that's why I realized like, ah, okay, I actually do need this. I can't work around this because the most important stuff to track is also correlated with I'm not actually on the internet. So that's why I took a look and switched to timelines. That is the shock of the episode, I (laughs) think. I I don't know if we're going to get
0: much more of a shock than that. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out from the crowd of a beautiful website, engage directly with your audience, and sell your products, services, and the content that you create because Squarespace has got everything you need all in one place. You get started with one of their beautiful best in class website templates that you can customize every design detail of with a reimagined drag and drop system called Fluid Engine. This is Squarespace's next generation website design system to allow you to unlock your creativity more easily than ever before. This works on desktop or mobile. You can stretch your imagination online with Fluid Engine. It's all built in, and ready to go on any new Squarespace site. So you've got that going. Maybe you've got a blog set up. Maybe it's a site for your business. You've got a bunch of information. But then you're like, hey, I'd like to sell some products. You can sell physical or digital goods with Squarespace in their online store. They have all of the tools that you need to start selling online. And then you're able to keep track of your site and your business with their awesome inbuilt analytics platform. You can learn where your visitors are coming from, where your sales are coming from, you can analyze which channels are most effective for you. This allows you to improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or most popular products and content. Then take it another step further with Squarespace email campaigns. You can stand out in any inbox by encouraging your visitors to sign up as email subscribers, starting them on a journey to becoming long-term loyal customers and visitors. Just start with an email template, customize it by applying your brand ingredients like site colors and your logo, and they also have analytics there as well to measure the impact of every send. Squarespace is the full package for building a site of any kind online. It's why I've been using them myself for over a decade. When I have something I want to put online, I go to Squarespace, and so should you. Go to squarespace.com cortex, and you can sign up for a free trial today. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code cortex to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain that is squarespace.com cortex and the code cortex when you decide to sign up to get 10 percent of your first purchase and show your support for the show
1: our thanks to squarespace for their support of this show and relay fm all right team and communication apps Mm -hmm. i don't know about you but i feel like we've both kind of ended up in exactly the same space here with the different apps that we're using well probably not email Email might be an outlier here. Are you still with Spark for email? Yeah,
0: I was very upset last year with Spark because they Mm. had just gone through their big new version of Spark for the Mac, mostly, uh, which changed a lot of the way that they wanted to talk about and handle email. You know, like the change from archive to done and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, after another year of using their new system... I'm getting used to some of the decisions that they've made or have been able to hide away enough of them. As you can imagine, they've added AI to the app. You know, you want to have your AI uh, email written for you. But Mm -hmm. a a request that I made, they made those options able to turn off because I just didn't want them, but the button was always there. And it's like, if I'm not going to use this, I don't need the button to be there. Uh, And so they added a toggle that if you turn it off, it removes the respond with AI button from every single email that you were sending. (laughs) And I would say that like, now that I've kind of been able to force the app back into a relatively sane state, like I don't see their inspirational home screen uh, and all this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Like I am benefiting from some of the features that they added. Like being able to block a sender is a great feature. I get so much crap email, right? And, Mm. you know, I get these Email newsletters that I've been put on that are PAR newsletters that I can't get away from because it is someone just sending me an email. Mm -hmm. But I'm able to block a sender and also block every email from that domain.
1: Oh, that's nice.
0: And it stops me from ever seeing them. So that is good. It reduces the amount of spam that I get and it's across you know, all of my email accounts that I might have. This is similar to their automatic sorting that they do of email into newsletter or notification categories. This is good. Like I can categorize them myself as well. You know, like if if something has been miscategorized, it's easy to change. This works well to keep my inbox clean. Again, like some of the ways that they did that at first was kind of frustrating to me, like this categorization moves around inside of the chronological list based on the most recent email that got added to the category rather than living in a fixed place, which I initially found very weird. But again, after a year of using it, I'm now just used to it, even though it is weird as I say it aloud. The strange thing about that is it actually doesn't reliably match some of these between my Mac and my iPhone. Sometimes things that are categorized as a notification on one device might be a newsletter on another device because it's not seemingly syncing them and it's, I don't know what's happening there. But this is again, like kind of the way that Spark has always been for me, which is like it's always been a bit janky in its own way, but the core features that it has when used well are used well. You know, like these two features I mentioned, I like them. You know, the team sharing is the big thing that I love and will continue using forever. But it's still strange. Like, you know, every update on the Mac is 250 megabytes every single time because it's an Electron app. And so you're just redownloading oh, right, the app every right. single time, which is, to me, a bananas way to do an update considering they update the app pretty frequently. So it's just like, 250 megabytes every single time and like the update process every time I open it the first time it doesn't work I have to quit it and reopen it again before my inbox will load like it doesn't remember the size of the window from the way it was before like there's just all these little things they did at least add a sidebar and a column view but I got so used to using it in a smaller view I just kind of use it that way I don't really know what the future of Spark is. I'm going to continue using and paying for it for as long as it's around because it is so helpful to the way that I deal with my email. However, I'm also thinking that maybe just a fundamental change to my email is just a way to handle it. I mean, like, as I do less and less and less in sales mm-hmm. for Relay FM, in fact, I do none. And like, I still work with a couple of our long clients, but basically, every year it's less maybe i just don't need this feature anymore like if spark was to go away tomorrow it would
1: probably just be a case of like i would just not replace it surely as you were doing less sales you would need the team features more why is it the reverse why would i need them more I guess I'm thinking you would need it more so that you're still in the loop of what's going on. But I don't want to be in the loop. That's okay. the point. Okay, you're explicitly trying to get out I'm of it. I'm getting that. out okay. of the
0: loop, you know? Like, okay, all right. So at the moment, like, we're still using it and it still works. But, like, I guess what would happen is those communications would just go back to Slack again and we'd lose the context. But to be honest, Carrie and I have less and less and less conversations inside of Spark all the time. But hmm. Spark overall, I enjoy as an email app for the features it has, like, There are no good email apps. Right. This is the one that I use and the one that I'm used to. And I get benefit from it from the other things that I've mentioned. If I was to have to leave, I mean, I'd probably just go to Mail, which is not a good experience. (laughs) Speaking as someone who is still using Mail, I agree. (laughs) Because, you know, Spark has snoozing. Like, you know, it has like a bunch of stuff in it, right? I know that Apple has that remind me thing, but I also don't think that that's super great. Yeah, so I don't really know what the future is for Spark, but I'll keep using it forever. But I do think at the same time, i also just need to change the way that I use email as well. So I'm working on that. I do also use MimeStream on the Mac for my Cortex brand email. It's Gmail only. This is the best email app around, in my opinion. It just works very well. It's very well made. It's very good, native feeling application with all of the features that you'd want from Gmail. That at least I've ever wanted to use. I really like it. It's got tons of settings, so you can customize it to work the way you want. The problem is it's only Gmail. That's such a killer. That's
1: such a killer.
0: And as well, it's also only on the Mac, but I know they're working on an iOS version. I've seen them say that they are looking at other mail clients, but I just don't know how it would work because it is so tied into Gmail. Mm. It uses the Gmail API. That's what makes it so different. Like, it's not using IMAP.
1: Oof. Yeah, I mean that feels like that makes it impossible for them to ever add other clients if they're really in the api you you can't mix and match that gmail api with other services it's just such a squirrely unique system but i would love them to make an app for everything
0: because it is a very very good app with a bad name last year we added kind of team and project management to state of the apps and i have been on a journey Oh, yeah? Well, last year I was using Craft. Oh, God, right. That feels like a thousand years ago <laughs> And now. in the middle I used Obsidian, and now I'm using Notion.
1: <laughs> I can't believe we skipped over a whole state of the apps and you never made it to using Obsidian on that. I can't believe yep. we went from Craft to Obsidian to Notion in the course of the year. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. That's quite some migration you've been doing between those systems. Yep.
0: Notion is my third attempt at a home for cortex brand information. And... I listened back to last year's State of the Apps Mm -hmm. and I'm really surprised at how much of a turnaround I have had in my feelings about Notion over the last 12 months okay tell me I said something along the lines of like I could never imagine myself using it Mm -hmm. well it has obviously changed because I use it Mm -hmm. and the thing that was stopping me is like I didn't like how Notion felt Yes, but it is so incredibly powerful Mm -hmm. and that trumps all it's like the same with spark right i don't like the way spark feels but it's so powerful for me and it's such an important way for me to collaborate with people that i will overlook all of it
1: okay so when you say power what does that mean to you well at the moment there's a lot of
0: information going in right and I still feel like at the moment, all I am with a lot of the stuff that is in Notion is like we took things from Obsidian and we have put them in Notion, right? Mm-hmm. I do not feel that at the moment I am best using Notion for project management, say. So like, you know, if we've, we're working right. on a new project, how do we take that from start to finish? I think that we can use Notion very powerfully for this. But I'm kind of at the moment building Notion as the uh, information and knowledge database. And I want it to become closer to our project management tool as well in the future, but I'm trying not to force it too much. Like right now, because it's mostly just me managing production, so I'm doing it in a more simple way, but I feel like with Notion, I'm building the foundations. The way I have seen the power is in the way we are doing the Cortex show notes now, all in Notion. Because this is something brand new right? Mm-hmm. So like I haven't had to force something, right? Where like right now, if I take the notes that I've already previously made, say about psychic notepad, and then try and force them into a new model to fit the notion project management, I just feel like it's more work than is needed. Like the project is already running. Like I don't need to try and reinvent the wheel of it. For our next project from the start, I will try and adopt more of the Notion project management tools to make that a reality right, and to bring that to life. But right now, the thing that I started from ground zero with is, first it was, let's create a Cortex content calendar. Mm. Map out the year, map out the episodes, move topics around, move promotional items around and really try and get a good flow for what the year is going to look like And as I started doing that, I was like, "Mm, maybe we should put topics in here. Wait a minute. Let's do all of our show notes in here. And I think this has been so good for me when it comes to planning the show I feel like I have a great place to put ideas and then those ideas just stay in the same database and they can be moved into different columns within the same database of different months and different episodes. And then also I can take all of this information and show it in different views and in different ways based on different metadata. Like I'm really enjoying this And it's opening my eyes to just how much power there is in this system for when I want to dig into it further for different things. So it's also just super good and super easy for collaboration. You know, like this was the thing I lost going from craft to obsidian. Right. Yeah. And then I hired a new assistant. We brought more people into the company for design and for marketing and it, I needed to have a system where everyone could work on the same documents. So Notion is also just like so simple for that, for the team to manage the projects. But I look forward to over the next year doing even more to making it like a real like start to finish project management tool as well as just a team collaboration and knowledge tool, which it is a bit more of, but I'm starting to like weave in the Notionness of it all, which I'm excited about.
1: Yeah, I think the reason I asked you about the power, let me put the podcast show notes aside for a second, is just. Yeah. There's this whole world of these personal knowledge management systems. The pickums. <laughs> yes, pickums. That's how I think of it. PKMs, the old pickums. Pick your pickum. I don't know. Like, I haven't used a ton of these, but with Notion and with other things, I, I feel like they do feel very powerful when you are in the process of putting things into them. Mm -hmm. But they can often be like a kind of quicksand, in my experience, for getting stuff back out. Well, yeah,
0: people get too lost in this, right? Which is why I'm not trying to push it too far. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to push it too far, too fast, and then everything gets lost.
1: I have mixed at best feelings about all of these kinds of systems. But, I mean, I will say... I feel like we have discovered a thing here with how to do podcast show notes. I feel like the Kanban system for podcast show notes works surprisingly well.
0: I think, especially for a show like ours.
1: Yeah, where there's more modular topics for sure. Yes. If there's little sections where you know that you're going to talk about something, Mm -hmm. it's one of these rare cases where it feels like this is clearly the correct way to do it. Like, I've gone from kind of skepticism about it and like I don't love it to. Feeling like, no, 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 this is actually proving its value, right? I'm not, it's becoming more valuable as we use it more. And me realizing, like, ah, right. I have my own weird, squirrely show notes that I keep sort of separate from everything, but realizing, like, no, it makes sense even for me to like put this stuff in here and like add to this as well so that it's all in a single place. Yep. And like the value of me having separate things is getting gobbled away by like, no, 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 this system is just good and it just makes sense to do this way. so
0: I kind of imagine a world, right, where I have all of our different
1: products
0: Mm -hmm. and we could have a product or project Kanban board where everything's moving around. And I've like roughed this out, but I've not been very diligent with it. We Mm -hmm. could have things where they are in the process But then also when you click them, you also get all of the notes. It's kind of like I imagine this scenario in which we have all of the information we're ever going to need, but also a bunch of different ways to see where the business is at any one point. Yeah. That is intriguing to me. And I feel like Notion is a tool that can be wrangled to make that happen. It's just a case of doing the work to make it happen.
1: Yeah, I think that's possible. And if we're using Notion for the show notes anyway, like it 100% makes sense. Like everything else that's Cortex related should go in here for sure. 100%. Although yeah. well, for me, it worked the other way around. But like, cause it was like Cortex brands in here. This podcast should be in here too. <laughs> but for, like Mike, the podcast Canvan is the main feature. Mm-hmm. It's like meanwhile on the sideboard, it's like one of 10 things. Yep.
0: <laughs>
1: I feel like if
0: I don't use it for anything other than just like it's a place where all of the team can see the information then it's done its job but i do feel like it has the ability to expose information in different places and in different ways to help us try and keep track of everything we've got going on and it needs someone to do this like there needs to be a person in charge of managing this and like we'll make that work over time but i think this is the one I would be surprised if I was to move away now. If anything now, just because of the inertia of it. Well, we've got like four people in here now, so mm-hmm. it seems very unlikely. Speaking of which. Yes. Last year, Grey Industries, Notion, was the best tool for managing information and video production, is what you said. Did
1: I say video production? I don't well, think I did. You said it's I th- the best
0: th- yeah, tool. You said it's the best yeah, tool. Yeah. I-, I I said managing information and video production, but I got the sense that Fact checking was happening inside of Notion.
1: Okay, so here's what am I trying to express here? I think a conclusion that I've come to with some of these pickums, as you have dubbed it, mm. which I feel is kind of gross, but also kind of perfect as a word to use here. I feel like there's some tension in all of these tools, which is the tension of like the archive of everything is a bad place for also actionable items. I just feel like there's something about the design requirements for those two things, or, or even just like your psychological state using a tool. Like these two things are naturally in tension with each other, but they also come up against an additional problem, which is I kind of v- always view it as like whatever you're doing to organize your life If you're duplicating information anywhere, that's a problem. Like you should not have any place where you've written the same thing twice. These tools are trying to solve that problem by having these functions where it's like every single line of text that you write within the system can be accessed by any other part of the system and you can look at all of the information in all of these different ways. So I think they're trying to solve that problem of like you don't need to duplicate information because it's accessible from anywhere in all of these ways. But that's where I just feel like it comes back to this tension for me of tools related to information and archive shouldn't be the same tools that are related to action. So it feels like, again, like a kind of uh, like, one two three impossible trinity situation of like you can't get all of these things you have to sacrifice information duplication or you have to sacrifice other parts of the system so i think that's why i'm just like fundamentally always a little bit grumpy about these tools Mm. now one of the things that we did last year to try to like from my perspective resolve this and also my assistant felt the same way of like okay notion is great for us and we still use it for like company information right where do we keep all of the information about everything so we do still use it for research and fact-checking kind of stuff but we did decide to try to pull out action items into asana to use for the team Mm -hmm. and personally i just absolutely hate this too (laughs) oh okay (laughs) so no no, here's the thing (laughs) this is one of these like intangible problems of like There's not really anything wrong with Asana. It's totally me. I just do not like this application for no good reason at all. And it comes back to the kind of just feel of things. Something about the way information is displayed. Something about like the way the buttons fill in when they click. I just don't like this at all. We
0: have a problem. Yeah. with being software nerds.
1: like We do, we do, 100%. It's a problem.
0: It's like I talk about the feel of it. It's just like, and as you're saying it, I'm like, there is a jankiness sometimes that I just can't get my head around. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, it's because a lot of these tools are using web technologies
1: and da 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 right? It's the reason you don't like Trello and the same yes. reason I don't like Trello. Yes. There's nothing really wrong with Trello. It works perfectly fine Mm -hmm. there's no problem but something about the way things move something about the way things when you click on them it's just off i'm not saying that this is true but it gives a kind of feeling of jury riggedness underneath the system Mm -hmm. like what is underneath here and again just to be clear i'm not saying that that is representative of the reality of the programming This is just a pure feel thing. And Asana just really gave me that. Opening up Asana, I feel like, and I get this with Notion a little bit, but not as strongly. Like I'm back working as a teacher in a school, like on a, like a joint database with everybody else. The system has to sacrifice a lot of niceness because it also has to work with... 200 teachers whose technical skill ranges from expert to idiot
0: i don't think there's a way around it like even craft right people say craft is the best one but it's still janky (laughs) yeah they all have this if you have to have it shared with other people that's where it starts that's where the jankiness starts and i think it is an unavoidable thing
1: yeah, I do think it is unavoidable. But you know what, thought has been creeping into my mind? Oh, I can't at, wait. Whatever this while is. While we're recording but... this podcast, <laughs> right? mm-hmm. I have not thought about it until just what, an hour ago when we first started talking about to do managers. And if my assistant is listening right now, she's going to have a cold sweat break out as soon as she hears me say this. But I'm thinking, couldn't we just use reminders? <laughs> Wouldn't reminders work for this? No. Why don't you think Reminders could work for this? Because doesn't it have the feature now? Like, you can assign a task to someone, right? Like, that's a thing you can do in Reminders. Let me see.
0: Yes. I mean,
1: yeah. I'm opening up Reminders. No, you can do that. I
0: mean, this is how me and Adina are managing the house stuff. We assign things to each other. Right. Honestly, I just reflexively said no to be in support and defense of your assistant. Right. Okay. I just don't want you to bring this to her to be honest
1: right so you don't want me to say like oh hey i know you spent four months moving everything out of notion and into a sauna that was actionable but what if you a windows user try to move all of that stuff oh, onto your apple gray, phone gray, in no, reminders gray, no
0: no, no. <laughs> i mean Look, she has an ipad so that would make it easier the reason we use these tools is because we need to work with other people right so that means there is compromise needed
1: I just feel like Reminders could work and it's the nicest one if I have to share something. If she
0: was a Mac user, maybe you could make this work. She's not. So you have to use a cross-platform tool. Like, there's just no way around it. There just is no way around it. Like, you have to just pick your poison. Right. We're getting into the why can't we just share Obsidian problem (laughs) again.
1: Like, it's exactly the same
0: problem. (laughs) It's just like, there's just no way around it. Like... I genuinely feel right. So this segment, communication and team apps, this is the most pain. It is. It's so painful. This is the pain segment because this is the apps we have to use because of people we work with, which means we can't just choose. Like there has to be a consensus and also... The choice you made whenever you made it might have been a good one, but eventually you don't want, like, so one of these is Slack, right? So Slack is also like the communications. Mm. Slack is so expensive. Yeah. But for Relay, there's nothing we can do about it now. Mm-hmm. Right? I would prefer to use Discord. There's no reason why I couldn't use Discord instead of Slack. If you were starting Relay today, would you use Discord instead? Probably. Or Teams. Hmm. Right? But like, I wouldn't pay for Slack. Is so expensive.
1: Mm. We have like forty people or something in our Slack. I do think that sometimes I see everybody happily chatting in there, and I'm like, ching, right? Like, yeah, look at all so that. It's so expensive, cost. <laughs> and it was fine mm-hmm. when it was good,
0: right? Like, because there are other tools which are as good as Slack, and so the price of Slack, I don't think, is worth it anymore for us, right? When we could use Teams, which is essentially free, because who doesn't have Office 365? Yeah, yeah. Right? Or we can use Discord, which, you know, to get all of the features, you just need, like, one person to be Nitro. Like, Slack also just redesigned, right? Uh... And, like, the Slack redesign is not terrible, but, like, it doesn't help me, and, like, I don't even know why they've done it. Like, (laughs) I don't understand the point of the Slack redesign when it didn't really seem to do much of benefit, and what it's done is, like, changed my muscle memory about, like, where things are. Like, they had this new view called activity, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, it doesn't even have all the
1: activity. I don't understand why they did this. What kills me the worst about this... So Slack does this redesign. And I discover the fact that they did this when I logged into the Cortex Slack to message you something. I went, yeah. what, like, what the hell happened, yeah, right? Like... It's, a, it's a rollout.
0: All <laughs> right? Slacks will get this, but they're <laughs> right. rolling it out.
1: But so... I was like, oh, okay, the app must have updated or whatever. And then I switch over to the Gray Industries one, and I go, oh, no. Mm. Like, my Gray Industries Slack is still the old design. Yeah. And this is, like, weeks now. (laughs) I switch between these two.
0: They're doing a very slow rollout of this, and they've been changing it. I will give it to them. Like, they have made changes, which have made it better because they're listening to what people have to say. I would just say... I don't really know why you did it. like, Because there just isn't really enough different. Like the activity view is an interesting idea, right? And the idea is like, you've got so many channels, right? We're just going to put it all into one. But mm-hmm. like, I don't really feel like it's pulling everything in. Mm-hmm. Like I would like to say, show me all the activity for a certain subset of channels that I choose, every message, put them all in there. But they don't, it's just like, did someone at you or did someone give you a reaction? Like, that is interesting stuff, but that's still not enough mm. for me. And, like, I do not need to see drafts as prominently as you show me them on the iPhone. It is, like, a massive <laughs> section on the <laughs> iPhone app. And I also don't like this later, whatever that means. I don't use that, but it's, like, right there and I can't get rid of
1: it. And it's just like... Okay, so... I don't I completely agree. Like, you should be able to customize this stuff up top. Let me slightly defend Slack before I complain again. They rolled out this later feature. And for me, this was the feature where it's like, okay, I have finally made peace with Slack. Of all of the tools that we're discussing in this uncomfortable corporate section of the state of the apps, Slack is the one I'm happiest with. And it's because they added this later feature where now when anyone messages you or like any message that you see even if you're not part of it there's a little bookmark you can click and that says save for later and then it shows up in that little later thing on the top of the screen maybe i should use this yeah so for me this solved the problem i was complaining about for years with slack of it's too easy to lose stuff like you just go look in a channel and like everything gets marked as red and you just like you you miss it right oh you know what this is actually kind of nice It's great. This is kind of nice. You can complete them? Yeah. So Mm. it basically acts as a kind of pseudo to-do list for every message in the whole system. So you can just like bookmark this thing and then when you've taken care of it, you hit complete. I think this is also partly why like I'm a little bit grumpier about Asana in some ways is because like, well, like my assistant messages me with stuff that needs to get done and it's kind of easier to just bookmark it for later and then like mark it as completed within slack and never have to go out to this secondary system
0: i would like it to do more to highlight that i have things in there rather than just a number
1: like maybe color it i mean yeah something like that could happen maybe they can take that into account for the redesign (laughs) the ongoing redesign yeah so like i'm a big fan of the later feature and i I do feel like i am at peace now with slack this is the team communication tool i don't lose things anymore great i don't need to switch to anything and just as i felt content like ah thank you later comes this rollout and look listen guys it's slack if you're gonna do this if you're gonna have a slow rollout for the love of god roll it out by users not by slack it is wild that i like (laughs) I'm in
0: like four slacks, two of them have been updated, two of them haven't. It's a very strange feeling.
1: It's crazy. It's like the core of your product is that people can have multiple slacks for the different teams and companies and whatever that they're involved in. Don't have a slow redesign rollout when you know you must hit a huge portion of the users living halfway in both worlds. It's maddening. The thing that is the most
0: surprising to me is that they would make any big change and would not do the one thing that makes sense, which is let me have one overview of all of them. Yeah. Now, I understand the logistical problems of that. I understand the security problems of that but if i don't have a heightened like corporate security level thing in a slack which is like obviously like the, if i'm not enterprise yeah let me choose and like the fact that i don't have one dashboard here's all of the messages you've received today like i can't believe that they have not found a way to make that work like that is absolutely wild to me they they have done such a big change But, like, I would imagine so many users of Slack would love to not have to keep going one to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other all day, (laughs) which is how I spend my life.
1: I only get to avoid that because I'm in just three Slacks.
0: So two of them that I'm in are work, two of them are social. So the two that are social, I don't do this to. But going between Relay and Cortex brand, like, I don't want to keep doing that all the time. Like, just show me in one view... All the messages I need to deal with in both places. I don't know why they don't do it. I have a quick question for you. Where does the save for later exist? Oh,
1: it's in the left.
0: But it doesn't have a little thing on the Mac version to tell you the stuff
1: in there. Oh my God. On this redesign, are you f- kidding me, Slack? They don't put an indicator to show you you have things in the later... F- on the God iPhone, it does. Damn it. On the
0: iPhone, it says later, one item. But on the Mac version.
1: Nothing. It just
0: says later.
1: Okay, so on the Mac, when I save things for later, like I do all the time, it doesn't actually tell me how many things are in later. It's just an icon to. It's another place to manually check and look. Oh, do I have things saved? Great. Okay, cool. So now I
0: know. I'm not going to use that feature then. I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing before, which is
1: just marking things as unread. Great. I didn't notice this terrible design flaw in the new design because my gray industry slack is still on the old design where it says later three. So I know that I have three to do items in my slack, but on the Cortex brand one, I cannot freaking believe this. There's no way to see. Oh, do I have something that I saved in later? I don't know. Let me go manually check and see if something is there. Ugh. Just another place to hover over.
0: So now I know <laughs> keep things as unread. <laughs> ah, they're just all hell. I can't believe apps.
1: this. I can't believe. After I'm like, oh, Slack, I finally made peace. I'm like, mm, have you, though?
0: <laughs> we now enter the obsidian hour. As we talk about writing apps. No, this is not the
1: Obsidian Hour. Are you using a different writing app now then? <laughs> <What> <laughs> no, no, it I'm, it? St- I'm still using Obsidian. Okay, I just feel like I actually don't have a ton to say about Obsidian compared to last year. This is, again, a place where I'm really happy with this app. I feel like it just lines up with my brain in the way that I want to be writing and the way that I want to use text, being able to like flip back and forth between files super fast or have like the way they do multiple windows on the screen. The only part of this which is still kind of killing me is <laughs> related to our communication and teams app is the question about collaboration with Obsidian. There's no question. What do you mean there's no question? Cuz it's not possible. <laughs> it's like There isn't a question, right? But you can force it, right? How much do you want to force it? How much do you want to take, I don't know, the most mission-critical app that I use and force it to do something that it doesn't want to do? That's the question.
0: That seems like a really good question. (laughs) It does. Do
1: you have any sense of like, is collaboration
0: any kind of concern for obsidian
1: actually you know, it's funny you
0: ask that i don't know i don't even know if they publish a roadmap or anything they have a roadmap yeah. do they i just wondered like yeah because i wondered if you kept up to date with that but like they do have a public roadmap i just know this from them being around for a while like i remember when the iphone app was on the roadmap and people were excited about that back in the day i will ask you right. while you are looking for this what do you think of the new obsidian icon
1: the logo i think it's fine i, I like, like it yeah I, like I probably it. slightly preferred the old one they, they went the reverse direction right it seems like every company on earth takes their logo and they and every couple of years they like scratch their chin and they go but could we make it less yeah could we make it simpler could we make it less identifiable that is why i
0: like it i think they added personality to it that's what i like about it they yeah. made it look more like a rock
1: yeah, yeah, and Obsidian did the reverse. They took yeah. their abstracted notion of a rock and said, but what if it was more rocky? What if it looked like an actual rock? <laughs> and they didn't make it yellow, green, blue, and orange. Or you <laughs> yellow, green,
0: blue, and red, you know? They
1: ah, yes. kept it purple. The corporate colors that mm-hmm. everything becomes. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, quickly looking on the public roadmap that they have, I'm not surprised to see that there's nothing about collaboration. I'm not surprised because I do just feel like the architecture of obsidian is just fundamentally opposed to the notion that multiple people are are working in one of these databases like i think obsidian fairly does fall into the pickem category as a tool but it is clearly the most you as an individual have had your brain explode into a thousand text files and that is what this program is for
0: yeah i mean just the reason that i consider it to be a possibility is it is built on web technologies Mm -hmm. the same way as these other apps that we're talking about so like i have no doubt that it would be complicated but even if they added just like this is the collaboration area Mm -hmm. that all of the notes in here you can collaborate but not all of your notes you know what i mean
1: yeah, no, I completely agree.
0: It's a different business, right? Which might not be why I want to do it, but I, I, it's, just in, it's interesting.
1: Yeah, so the fundamental trade-off right now is that you can use their sync tool, and that will allow you to sync across all of your devices, including phone and iPad. Or you can use Dropbox to sync, and if you do that, you have to give up sync on the phone and on the iPad. But... With Dropbox, you can just share a folder or a subfolder with another Dropbox user and then they can have access to just the files that you put in that folder.
0: It says right here, (laughs) shared vaults, collaborate with your team, invite your team to a shared obsidian vault, notes are updated in real time across your team's devices without compromising the privacy of your company data. How is that not what you're looking for?
1: god damn like you're dragging me into the details okay right so this is what i'm saying there is a thing where multiple people can work on a single vault Uh uh-huh right but this is what i'm saying about the structure of the app you lose a huge number of advantages of the way this app is designed the moment you have to break up information across multiple vaults like i cannot stress enough this is a huge sacrifice in functionality. Everything about this app screams, you want to keep everything that you're working on in one spot.
0: Right, but if why don't you just give all of the notes to the sync system?
1: I could give all of the notes to the sync system, but then that also means the entire database has to be shared with my assistant. It's an all or nothing deal. For you, why is that a problem? It's a problem for me because I don't want to share all of the notes with my assistant. Like some of this stuff is just private and I'd rather Mm. not have it be shared. But even there, there's a thing of like, this is just a mission critical and also I also cannot emphasize enough, super squirrely system. The moment it has to be like the two of us need to use this thing that I use for writing. Like you said here, like it immediately causes compromises of like, oh, okay, I have to arrange the files in a different way if this other person is ever going to find anything in here. And again, the big advantage is I don't need to arrange anything. Like, I can just search for anything using my brain to remember what it is that I was trying to find. But, like... Forcing my obsidian vault on another person is just inhumane. So I would want to just share a portion where I can be like, look, here's a very small amount of the actual active stuff. And this is what you can have access to.
0: I'm really not trying to be annoying here. Right? No, 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 it's fine. Why not create a second vault? No, uh, no. <laughs> that is shared. And when you're ready to share something, move the file to the shared vault. Like, once something's ready to be shared,
1: does it need the context of the other notes that are related to it? You're not wrong in that, like, this seems like it's a reasonable thing. But uh, the reason why you need to keep stuff in one vault is that in Obsidian, you get these benefits from linking stuff together. And what happens is you can break the cross links if you change something in another document which the document you have temporarily moved out of the sync system references so it basically causes this problem of the moment you pull something out you now have to be careful right you have to be careful and make sure uh, while this document is with my assistant i have to make sure that i don't accidentally modify anything else in this system that references that document because then things can get broken So this is the problem of like, yes, you could pull something out, but it just it raises the possibility of danger. Ideally, what you would like to exist
0: is it's all the same vault, but you have like a folder that you can share. And You just move things to the folder, but it means that nothing's going to break. It's the same note and you just move it back. Yes. But if you moved it to a different vault, now it's like it has no context of where it came from. And when it comes back, it's like it's a new baby boy in there, right? Like it, it doesn't know anything about anything. Yeah. It's
1: brand new. Yeah. And also the problem is like while it's gone, Obsidian will act as though that missing note still exists within the system like you can end up with like oh i've just created a blank version of this document Mm. right like this is the kind of like weird problems that can happen it's
0: going to create a blank file with that name just because other things reference it and then when it comes back now you've got two files with the
1: same name yeah i can see how that becomes a bit of a mess this is the kind of problem right it's like obsidian this is a great feature obsidian treats things that have not yet been created as though they exist and so that's why if you pull something out of the system it goes from this document exists to this kind of like Mm -hmm. ghost document that is waiting to pop into existence the moment you touch it right and it's like oh okay great now you run into a problem where it's like Now you've lost the history of this document if you ever want to go back and try to like track where a change happened. So like there's there's just like lots of complications with this. So I'm currently using Dropbox to sync my Obsidian stuff, which means I don't have it on my iPad and I don't have it on my phone, which is mostly a minor annoyance, but it does mean like I'm very aware of because it doesn't exist on those devices, I'm also not plugging in like getting information into obsidian through things like shortcuts in ways that i otherwise would to mm. say like you know hey append this information to this file and that's the thing that is like becoming increasingly irritating and i think i probably will just eventually move so, so I've, I've worked myself into a situation where i'm not really using either of the two things that I want to use. I'm not really using the collaboration with my assistant in Dropbox because I keep thinking like, oh, I'm going to move this over into the sync system. But I don't. So I don't also just start setting up shortcuts and things to make a bunch of my Obsidian life easier. So Yeah,
0: I think no matter what happens, you should move to Obsidian Sync and just take the benefit of that. And then yeah. then try and find some other way to deal with a collaboration. Although I think realistically, you just need to give up on the idea of collaborating in obsidian but you should try and see if there is like using obsidian sync and collaboration tools maybe there's some kind of thing that we're not thinking about but i think other than that you should just give up on the idea
1: this is one of these things clearly the direction over time is i should just be using obsidian's sync system Mm -hmm. and i'm just dragging my feet on it for a bunch of reasons
0: i'm sure there's other features that you're missing that would otherwise be cool that they put into their system because that's what they want you to use.
1: Yeah, and also I just think you have the benefit of... I would rather use the sync system that was custom designed exactly for this tool than using Dropbox, which this is sitting on top of. Yeah, But again, this is, relatively speaking within Obsidian, a fairly minor problem in the scope of the benefit that this app provides me. So like I have... The overall picture is I have nothing but thumbs up to give to Obsidian. Like, I just really love it. And after years of trying to find what is the writing app that works best for me, this is the answer. It is Obsidian.
0: A very 2023 thing for writing would be to use some kind of AI. Mm. I will say it is for me. What are you using it for? One of the things that I have to write, which I find to be one of the more difficult things that I need to write, is the description for this show. Oh, really? For a long time, it followed a format, which was Gray does this, Mike does this, they both do this. This was like hundreds of episodes, like over a hundred episodes did this. I wanted to change that this year to actually make the descriptions be a little more fuller. Mm Mm-hmm to give people an idea of what the episodes were about, also to make it easier when going through previous episodes to find it. I haven't gone back and done this. I might at some point like actually go back and fill them out a bit more, but I uh, huh. I don't know about that. But I decided to change it up because like we made changes to the show this year. We do like, special episodes and stuff like that. And so I thought this might be a time to change stuff up and I've done it. So what I'm doing is writing more descriptive basically longer descriptions for the episodes. So they just talk about more of the things that we talk about mm. rather than just limiting it to three. I don't really like this kind of writing mm. in general, like this like short sentences, short paragraphs. That is not how I write. Like I write in long sentences, long paragraphs. Yeah. If I ever do write. And I also find it complicated to try and get all of the right punctuation for this kind of writing. So what I do now is I write a verbose, poor grammar (laughs) version of the description, Mm. and I go to ChatGPT, and I'm like, can you rewrite this for me?
1: Hmm. And it does, and that's what I use. I was just thinking when you mentioned the old episodes, I was wondering if you could do something like, here's a transcript of the episode, write a summary of it. Maybe. To be honest, the way if I was ever going to
0: do something like that, I could use the chapters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. They're the topics, really. Right. So, like, it would just be a case of being like, we spoke about this, 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 and this. Write me a description.
1: Right. And that might be slightly easier for Chat GPT to ingest than yeah. a, like, totally insane, not speaker marked out transcription of the podcast. Also,
0: I don't like the Chat GPT voice. Mm. The way that it writes, so I like to give it my writing first. So, like, if I, I feel like I have found better success, that if I, if I give it bullet points, I tend not to like what it gives me. If mm. I have written a bad description and give it that, I think it does a better job at matching the tone that I want. And so giving it a transcript, I I don't know what nonsense it would throw out at me.
1: Yeah, that kind of writing feels like the good sort of thing to use chat GPT for. It's funny you mentioned how you hid the AI thing in Spark because using mail, for me, this is like the number one place that I want a button that says write a first draft of an email response. Well, I mean, you don't like, I want to deal with my email if I'm going to deal with it, you know, but you don't. This is for me, like, what's the actual problem that I'm trying to solve? It's not that I would send that email, but it's just a hundred million times easier to be like, okay, let me tweak this to be more of what I'm actually trying to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Obviously, I can just like copy and paste stuff out into chat GPT and be like, write me an email. Oh, great. It's like, Honestly, yeah. you should check out Spark because like,
0: it's what it does. They, they do AI drafts. <sighs> you know what? It's a great idea.
1: I am going to check out Spark. I think, I don't know why I had mentally written it. I think I'd, whenever you talk about it, I think in my head, I put it under the category of the our section of pain on communication and corporate well, it tools. it is for but... me, it is for me. <laughs> but
0: like, you know, as we said, all of these apps that cause us pain do have useful features until you find out that they changed the usual feature that you liked and then it wasn't useful anymore.
1: Yeah, okay, I think, you know what? I will check out Spark. Give it a go. Like if you yeah.
0: genuinely want that, it does it.
1: yeah. So, yeah, I feel like for that kind of um, serviceable kind of writing, you just need a thing that's descriptive. ChatGPT is good at that. This has been a year of AI for sure. People ask me all the time if I use ChatGPT to help with the writing. They're like, oh, hey, couldn't this help with the writing? Wouldn't this speed things up? And in my experience, it's terrible at what I would want it to do. Like, hey, write something interesting about this topic. It's just the worst. Like, I hate it. I hate it so much. It's not interesting. When I was trying it out and had it work on things that I, like, know the topic area, it just gives you all of the common misconceptions about a thing. It's terrible at this. I can't imagine
0: there is a world in which you would feel comfortable using it. Yeah. Because you are so... Focused on facts,
1: right? Like, could you trust it? No, I couldn't. I also just think its style is terrible. ChatGPT, this is going to sound weird, has a terrible sense of humor. It's just not <laughs> funny. Everything that it tries to do that's funny is in the range of dad joke territory or like jokes for children. It's just awful. Mm. I haven't found ChatGPT useful for that. In the slightest, although much to my horror, I know full well that there are plenty of YouTube channels already that just ask ChatGPT for scripts on topics and then give that to a voice generator and just like give that next phase to a video production thing and like slap up tons of videos. Like, here we are. Those videos are all terrible, but it's already begun. Yeah, but like whatever people have been
0: making low effort content on YouTube for a really really long time like it doesn't matter how much of it there is good stuff will still be wanted by people that's how I feel about
1: it yeah I do think there's a slight difference here just in that it can fool more people it's like it's slowly raising the bar on this but anyway for the time being it's just like it's not a remotely useful tool for me for writing with Like one key exception, which is where I do actually use ChatGPT a lot when I'm working on a script. And it is that ChatGPT is the world's best thesaurus. It is like insanely good at thesaurizing. When people use any kind of AI system, the thing I'm always trying to tell them is like, look, the value is not in your initial question the value is in your follow-up questions. And so when I write scripts, I used to just 100% of the time, I always had the Apple Thesaurus app just open on my computer and I would be looking for words of like, I'm looking for a word like this. Like what options does it have? I used that for years. But now the thing that's so amazing with Chat GPT is, you can say like, I'm looking for words that are similar to this word. And then it spits out a bunch of words. But the real power is being able to say, okay, but I I want something that has a more positive valence to it, or I want something that has a more negative sound to it. And that's where it's just like, God damn, is it so good at being like, what about these words? What about these words? Or being able to skip the things that thesauruses do where they're, they're often giving you much more than you want. So you can specify like, I want a different word for this. But this exact meaning, right, not all of the meanings of this word, just like this narrow way in which it's Mm. used. What are other ways that you could say that? And so, boy, boy, has it just like taken my thesaurizing to next levels like this is by far and away the most frequent and common use of chat GPT for me by far. I think next most common use for me, because ChatGPT basically is an app, right? It is on my iPhone. Yeah, it's on my iPhone. Yeah. Next most useful thing for me is tech problem debugging. So in my life, I am the person that everyone I know asks for technical assistance to mm. fix whatever it is in their life. Right? My computer isn't working. Like it's not doing this thing. Help me fix it. If you're the tech support person in your world, you know that very frequently the hard part of the problem is not fixing the problem. The hard part of the problem is understanding what the problem is based on the description that the non-technical person is giving you. It's very frequently, like with my wife, who in our house, it's like, I will take care of all of the technical problems because she has no patience for dealing with any of it. And frequently I will be handed an iPad with the sentence, it's not working. (laughs) Like, okay, right? Like, let's start trying to drill down. What is the it? What should it be doing? What should it not be doing? And you try to turn those descriptions into like actionable things. This is a totally sensible problem, right? Because It's unreasonable to expect average users to know the names of all of the things. What's the name of the strip on the top of your computer, right? What are all these different things? Nobody knows. What has been absolutely magical for me now, using ChatGPT to try to solve my problems, is realizing I can do to ChatGPT what everybody else does to me, which is basically... Give it a very badly phrased description of the problem and trust that it can work it out. Huh. And here is my pro tip on this. Right, this is a total life changer for me. Wait,
0: just work it you use Chat GPT for this, not Bing. So they're both the same systems behind the scenes.
1: I know. I'm just wondering what app you're using. I'm just uh, that's not important. I'm just intrigued. <sighs> it depends. The actual Chat GPT app is often my first go, even for solving technical problems. Like it's surprisingly good. Bing is still like optimized for searching for things, which is not always really what I'm trying to do. I think whatever version of ChatGPT they have in the actual app feels smarter to me than the Bing version does. The Bing is like optimized in a particular way. I
0: just opened the ChatGPT app and I now have the chat with voice setting, which I've not tried yet, but they they just gave me that.
1: Okay, yeah. So here's my pro tip. They've rolled out this chat with voice thing. I think you should do something else. So this is what I have done. I am just using... Apple dictation to record what I'm saying and Mm. turn it into a blob of text and send it to ChatGPT and if you do it that way ChatGPT doesn't talk back to you it just types back and you can read so I think for most people you will be able to read and skim and frankly get through a lot of like ChatGPT's boilerplate nonsense of like well as a large language model I have some thoughts about uh, the iOS (laughs) subsystem it's like (laughs) shut up right but I will tell you like it has been such an amazing game changer to be able to just like speak out loud in sentences. I would never type sort of change what you're saying in the middle, not have any of the technical words right about like what problem it is you're trying to solve on the computer and just hit return and chat GPT can freaking nail it like 99% of the time. It understands not what you have said, but what you are trying to say. It's amazing, and it's also to me, it was like, oh, wow, I can be much lazier in the way that I talk to this thing because I can trust that it gets it, which made me instantly realize, oh, I have encouraged this behavior in everyone I know in my whole life because they're all like, I can just say whatever to him and I can trust You're that he'll the get large it. Language like, <laughs> model. Right, exactly. I like, I like the thought of
0: like in the future someone goes, Gray, I have a technical problem. You just get your phone out and hold it up to them. <laughs> Go on. And they just yeah. you speak to ChatGPT. Let's take me out of the middle.
1: Yeah. It has really been quite a unique experience to have this feeling of I understand how everyone uses me in their lives because I now have this thing for me. Mm -hmm. ChatGPT debugged this problem on my computer that was like absolutely shocking to me that like went straight down into the absolute core of my computer where there was a problem with like a Python installation. This again is where I don't know the technical word. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, there's different shells that you can use at the terminal, which is always the level where I'm like, I don't know why this is a thing that exists, but it's like, oh, ages ago when I set up a Mac and you used to be able to dual boot them into Linux, like I caused a problem with my Python installation that has been following me for forever. And when I was trying to run some Python scripts, like I couldn't get them to run and I could not figure out why. And it's like ChatGPT debugged and walked me through this just insane series of terminal commands to fix like the deepest subsystem on my computer no one on earth could have debugged this in this way from my description
0: i am trying to change my relationship to these tools it is inevitable what is happening to the world i'm not going to dig my feet in on this forever i have concerns and they continue but i'm not going to be like a luddite i'm not going to be like no i refuse to use these tools no i will use them and i will find the ways to use them that i think are right like for me but just because I've I've had feelings and thoughts and they're complicated about this stuff, I'm not
1: going to be like, well, now I'm just going to refuse to do it. No, of course. And that's what I'm trying to figure out is where is this actually useful? And that's sort of what this conversation was for me is what seems like it might be the most useful at first, oh, it's useful for script writing, mm-hmm. has not remotely been useful at all. But there are totally other ways in which it has been very useful. Yep. I mean, especially like... I cannot convey to you how much ChatGPT has sped up my ability to work on spreadsheets. The amount of complicated and crazy things that I have done in addition to just the raw amount of work that I have gotten. Being able to ask ChatGPT questions or just some specifics of formulating uh, formulas, it's like a... 20 to 50 fold productivity increase like in the domain of spreadsheet work it's insane i've seen these spreadsheets they're bananas there's thousands and thousands
0: of rows and, comp- and like i don't understand what's going on in there but i guess I, now you said that kind of makes
1: sense that ChatGPT is helping you do it right because it's very complicated stuff with the spreadsheets there's nothing that it's helped me with that i couldn't do on my own it's just cutting down the time enormously which is the same thing as a productivity Mm -hmm. boost Mm -hmm. it's insane so it's very interesting that like these two areas being a thesaurus and also being able to produce technical answers that i am able to verify are correct that i don't have to trust Is what the thing said uh, true? No, no. I can see if it worked. And so that is also where it's just been an absolutely huge advantage. I will just say, it's made me think a lot about the future of Apple's apps because I don't know if this is true, but I have a suspicion and a feeling that Apple might be more culturally resistant to AI than other companies. I just think like... They absolutely have to be incorporating some AI tools into their production apps like Final Cut Pro and Logic. And they have to be doing it right freaking now, or I think they're gonna be in real trouble very soon.
0: I think they are. I do. I I understand the thinking behind the cultural resistance. I think I felt that at first too, but I don't think they're stupid. Like I mean they just they put a transformer model
1: in the keyboard like to me that was a sign I hope you're right I just my hesitation is like you know there are two big apps that I use Final Cut Pro and Logic have both had obvious places where you could use even just the basics of machine learning for like five years and mm-hmm. they haven't put in any of that like it's insane to me that in Final Cut Pro the workflow is still in theory that you need to manually tag all of your clips with what's in them and it's like, guys, this should have been solved half a decade ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point.
1: Or similarly with logic, like a bunch of modern audio editing apps are doing things where it's like, they'll just write the transcription of what you've said above the audio, which makes it a hundred million times easier to edit. Logic could have done that years ago, but they haven't. So Yeah,
0: but Logic's a bad example though. Why do you say that? Well, Logic is not a podcast editing. Or audio editing, it's music, it's a music creation tool. I would say the Final Cut example, that is weird. Like they should add something like that. But, uh, you know, I know you have have used Descript and we were talking about it offline a while ago. And that's one of the apps that does that thing that you're talking about. But like Descript is a podcast editing tool. Mm -hmm. Logic is not that, it's just what we use it for.
1: Yeah, I know, but I still think even if you're doing music you're moving the playhead around constantly being able to see where does a word start and where does a word end is still something a music editor would want to do. I I don't think that's limited to podcast editing, but Hmm. anyway, yeah. So it's a little sidebar on AI, which is sort of an app. Uh, Maybe next year we might have a lot more AI based apps on our list than we do right now. There'll probably be a category. I mean, even if that even makes sense, it
0: might not even make any sense anymore. It might be there in every single app that we're using. I mean, honestly, like, AI is in Notion. I mean, I already said AI is in Spark. I mean, there's probably multiple other apps that it's in.
1: Yeah, you know what? Actually, now that I think about it, with the speed of AI, we may push through it so fast that it would be like highlighting apps that can do calculations. Like, like no, they all do calculations. You don't need to highlight this as a feature. It's actually, yes... I
0: don't think we will have an
1: AI category next year. I
0: think this might be the only time we ever do a sidebar on AI apps. But I think next year, more and more of the apps that we use will have AI and machine learning features and we'll be talking about them more. That's what I reckon will happen.
1: Okay, Mike, we got to start wrapping up this show here, okay? Yes. <laughs> let's go, let's go. Go, media apps and entertainment. What do you want to talk about? All I have is games. Okay, great,
0: me too. Go, go. <laughs> The only one that's on a smartphone is an app called Finity, which is on Apple Arcade. It's just a very good match three app. I love it. It's hard to explain, but if you have Apple Arcade, download this app. It's fantastic. Oh, okay. And then I'm going to talk about my two games of the year so far. Legends of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. They did it. How could it be possible to make a better game than, in my opinion, the best game ever made? (laughs) Just make it better. It's what they did tears of the kingdom is a better game than breath of the wild in every way you could measure in my opinion which is truly outstanding that they pulled it off but they pulled it off it is superb a game that i have recently started playing which is currently as of today when we are recording on october the 12th the only game that seems to be in true contention for game of the year other than tears of the kingdom is boulders gate 3 It's like, I've literally never heard of this game. It is essentially, it's called a CRPG, which means computer role-playing game, which means Dungeons & Dragons style rules in a video game. Is that using AI to do that? How do they do that? It's been in development for a really, 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 really long time. So they Hmm. have you know, apparently there are like thousands of ways the game can end, like the paths that you can take hmm. because you can do things like you can attempt to do a thing and you roll a dice and it fails and now this character dies, right? It's just like, well, there's nothing you can do about that. The character's dead now, right? Like it's right, okay. really fun and really weird and really cool. It's got all of the RPG mechanics you might want from a game, but it adds dice in and it's turn-based combat with dice throw in and like the spells. It's Dungeons and Dragons, but a video game. It's really cool. And it's very inventive and you can feel the hard, long work that went into this game. The story's really interesting. Like, I'm enjoying it. I'm like, I don't know, 10 hours in or something. It's very hard. It's very good. I like it a lot.
1: Okay, I want to bring attention to three games for my own selfish reasons because I want to promote more things like this. The first game is called Isle of Arrows. If you've listened to this section in the past, you will know I'm a big fan of the tower defense genre, and I feel like this is an anemic genre that could always use more attention and people doing interesting things. You've
0: chosen a recent (laughs) one this time, which is great. And I'm familiar with this game
1: because it was very popular and very
0: well reviewed when it came out last year.
1: Yeah, I missed it the first time around, and I think this is one of these things where I Something about when I saw it, I was like, eh, I don't think that's for me, but I just wanted to mention it because it does interesting things in the tower defense genre and might be kind of newbie friendly. If someone hasn't gotten uh, into that before, it's dangerously close in some ways to a puzzle game, but not so close that I don't want to play that because I hate puzzle games. So anyway, I just think it's really interesting. I like to promote tower defense games that do different kinds of stuff along those similar lines. I upon Vampire Survivors a while back, and that game has since given birth to a genre that people are calling bullet heaven, as in the opposite of bullet hell, which I really like.
0: Oh, I haven't heard that phrase, because I remember when it was called reverse bullet hell, but I prefer bullet heaven.
1: Right. We were trying to struggle with how do you describe what this game is, because it's the opposite of a bullet hell. And so, yeah, we're like reverse bullet heaven. It's like, this is not good. So people have created the phrase bullet heaven, which is like perfect. That's so good. You are the object that emanates all of the weapons, and there's a million enemies around you. Since Vampire Survivor, a bunch of games have come out in this category. And I just wanted to draw attention to Army of Ruin, which is a game made by a seemingly very small team that it's really high quality, and I think it just had... Super unfortunate timing when it came out between a couple of other games like this, but I really like it. It's very visually pleasing. Again, very interesting weapon mechanics, a very interesting upgrade system that I like that doesn't feel like it locks you into a particular build. Mm. Unlike a lot of these things, I really feel like you have the freedom to try different stuff. So I'm going to recommend Army of Ruin. This has also just been a terrible year to be an indie game developer.
0: Because there are so many good big games coming out this year, yeah that trying to get attention in twenty twenty three seems to have been a bit of a nightmare,
1: yeah, so when I was looking around for Army of Ruid stuff, I was like, oh, like the number of reviews they have and the size of their subreddit do not reflect like how good this game is, mm. so yeah, I just I really like this one if you like vampire survivors, totally give this one a try then I will because I do, yeah it's. <laughs> cute i think it's a cuter version of this like it looks really nice this has been like the real go-to for my steam deck like playing on the couch i've been very much enjoying it
0: the thing about vampire survivors the one thing it does not have is looks
1: i find vampire survivors has a certain kind of retro pixel charm i think it's the best version of this but yeah, sometimes I could feel like, ah, oh, I just I just want something like a little bit more aesthetically pleasing. Do you know Vampires if I was on the iPhone now? Oh, I don't know how you'd play that on the iPhone. But, but I don't I don't know how people play anything on the iPhone. Fair enough. But it is. The last and increasing scale of cuteness is a game called Voxel Tycoon. This is like a sort of semi-early access game. There's a game called Open TTD, which is like a town train simulator kind of game that is a billion years old and I have felt for like a decade I'm trying to find the modern replacement for that game and Voxel Tycoon is this it's the kind of thing where you're just connecting up towns with trains and trucks and buses and you're moving passengers around you know you're delivering coal from the mine to the factory and then that factory is producing iron bars that you're delivering somewhere else the furniture company needs wood so it's your job for like how to transport that stuff around i find this just so satisfying and so relaxing there's been a lot of games that try to do this, but I feel like Voxel Tycoon is hitting the version of this which is in my dreams of hmm. again, very cute little towns, sort of interesting mechanics but not too crazily complicated. I just really like it. I wanted to just draw attention to it as a game that I feel could totally use more players supporting it in development. There's also a delightful feature where after you've built all your trains, you can click on a train and then have the first person view of driving around on all the little tracks and going through the forests or going through the mines or whatever. It's delightful. That to me feels like, what do you
0: benefit for
1: making a game like this today? Yes, exactly. That's what it is. Like ah, but we can zoom the camera down so that yeah. you can see what the bus driver in your tiny town sees. So really love it. That does remind me of like theme park world
0: when I was a kid where like you could ride the roller coaster but it was like yes, super yes. janky. <laughs> yeah.
1: But you could do it. And it's like,
0: oh, I'm riding my roller coaster. It's going way too fast.
1: Yeah. So those are my three game recommendations from the year.
0: This episode is brought to you by Sidekick Notepad from Cortex Brand. Sidekick Notepad has been designed to be your companion for taking notes while getting your most productive work done. It is ready to be with you all day for you to write down your ideas, your notes from your meetings, and to keep track of your tasks and action items. It's been carefully designed to fit perfectly between you and your keyboard and has been tested to provide a comfortable and ergonomic experience in use. Sidekick Notepad is the perfect accompaniment to your meetings. Its quality construction means that it will be durable in transit from place to place and gives you an ideal space to keep track of what you're working on and who you're working with without distracting you with notifications or incoming messages. We worked incredibly hard to engineer a construction that would provide rigidity and comfort so you'll look professional when carrying and using it. Sidekick notepad has a minimal and beautiful cover, but is designed to stay open and in front of you all day when you're at your desk. It's intended to be ready for whenever you have anything to write down, acting as a constant guide of what you have going on today. It's made for what is happening right now, a tool to help you with what you're working on. Then, when you're done, just tear off the page and start fresh. In your daily life, you deserve space to think and to brainstorm, to write down your ideas and to iterate on them. Pen and paper does this better than anything else. Sidekick Notepad is the in-between part from your brain to your computer. Oh, and speaking of pens, why not check out the Cortex brand Mark 1 pen, available in two colors with the very best refill we found. It features perfectly balanced aluminium construction, coated in a premium Cerakote finish. Sidekick notepad is made and assembled by hand in London, England. We use high-quality paper with exceptional printing and perforation. The cover material is made from recycled coffee cups using a highly specialized process. These cups would have otherwise be destined for landfill, but we use them here in this product. Sidekick Notepad is made to sit comfortably with you all day and be ready and waiting for whatever you're working on. It helps turn your ideas into actions, becoming the perfect companion for getting things done. Capture all of your tasks, action items, notes, and thoughts. Sidekick Notepad will be there throughout the day. Then tomorrow, Tear off the page and start again. Sidekick notepad is available now at cortexbrand.com. That is cortexbrand.com.
1: All right, on to lightning rounds, And we've, we've got <laughs> really got to speed up now. Well, it is the lightning round, so <laughs> lightning it should rounds. in theory be the fast round. I will
0: start with Raycast. It is my new launcher on the Mac. It's replaced Alfred for me. Oh, wow. It's got okay. a very nice, simple, modern UI, and it has tons of integrations available. I don't use a ton of them, but they're there, and I add more in over time for different services and stuff like that. And I like that you can do things, like if you want to, window management tools and puncher bunch of conversion stuff. It's just, I like Raycast a lot. It's nice and simple, but can be complicated if you want it to be.
1: Alfred's the one that I use. I'll check that out. All right, little app on the App Store called Wallet Creator. I think a long-forgotten feature of Apple Wallet is that you can, with uh, apps help, get your own custom passes into Apple Wallet. And so in the UK, there's a gym membership company That is extremely annoying because they want you to open up their app in order to get access to the gym. So it's like, hey, we'll generate a QR code for you in our app. Like, we want you to open. Like, oh, I hate this so much. Wallet Creator's little app that if you have anything that is annoying like that, you can just take a barcode or a QR code and create your own card in Apple Wallet, which you can then also proximity lock to a location to just automatically show up on the lock screen so
0: that's so good
1: yes so i've done this with my library card and i've done this with my gym pass i love eliminating something that is just a constant pointless frustration and if you have some company that just doesn't want to integrate with apple wallet you can probably force them to with wallet creator i'm going to recommend a mac app called
0: drop zone it's a menu bar app that you can configure with different shortcuts that you would like for if you drag a file up to the menu bar app, where do you want it to go? So I'll give you two examples. One, I have a folder in Dropbox that the receipt management app that I use for my like business receipts can pull from. Mm -hmm. So I can take, you know, a PDF from my Mac, drag it over the drop zone icon and drop it into the receipts folder and it's gone. And I don't need to actually do any management. The other one that I love even more, though, is trying to airdrop a file on the Mac is way more complicated than it should be. Like you have to like find the share menu and click a bunch of buttons. With this, I can just drag a file to drop zone, drop it over the airdrop area and it just opens the airdrop menu and I can choose who to send it to. But you can have it also do a bunch of actions. You can drag a bunch of files up and it let you zip them. It's one of these apps you can do a bunch of things with it. I really like it. It's a smart little Mac app.
1: Okay, next up I've got HomePass. This is an app I wish I had known about three years ago. But it's like, when's the best time to plant a tree? A hundred years ago. When's mm-hmm. the second best time? Now, right? When's the best time to start using HomePass? Five years ago. When's the second best time? Now, This is the app that will keep track of all of those codes for everything in your house that you're trying to automate. They're like, hey, hold this accessory up to the iPhone or whatever. And you think, oh, great, I'll just do this once and surely I will never need to repair or reset this home accessory again. No, you 100 percent will. And it can be extremely annoying to try to either find the code that you've lost or, like, yank a home accessory out of an awkward location to reset it up. HomePass is the thing of, like, every time you add something to your house, add its HomeKit code into HomePass first. And then you can just use that app to reset up or repair any of these applications if they get messed up later. So... Start using it today if you don't already use it.
0: That's a very good recommendation. Why
1: are you laughing so hard?
0: Because <laughs> I gave it to you last year in the... Did you? Yes, this I came from me in you the lightning did. round last year, I don't remember year, Gray. this. I just Gray, well... you just gave the same pitch I gave 12 months ago.
1: <sighs> well, you know what? I it's didn't worth it. It's listen. worth remembering. <laughs> I didn't listen to you at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, where I... did you find it then? Rosemary Orchard recommended it on Automators, a sister show on Relay, which is also totally worth the write- uh, Here's the thing, Mike. When she said it, it just sounded so obvious. I was like, oh, I should totally go but use that app. But last year, you were like, that's a great app. <laughs> never, uh, never mind. Uh, PopClip.
0: Essentially, what this app does is when you select text on the Mac, it pops up the co- copy paste menu from iOS, essentially. So you can which I like, you know, you're selecting text, I'm gonna do it with my mouse, now I could just go up and press copy rather than doing the keyboard thing. But what PopClip can also do is let you do things with the text. So for example, if you highlight a link, it will pop up something where you can click that link. But what I use it for the most is if I wanna title case something, I can highlight it and press this little button and it will turn that text into title case text. Very cool, and again, like Drop Zone, there's tons of things you can do with it. The developer has a bunch of different extensions that you can use.
1: Okay, so listen, this next one, I know that you did recommend to me, and I yeah. specifically put it in here because I yeah. wanted to reemphasize something. So yeah. last year, you mentioned Clean Shot X, and you were like, if anybody takes screenshots, you need this application. Unlike some other apps, I distinctly remember listening to you and thinking, I take screenshots, but I don't need this app. What could I possibly want to do with my screenshots more than what I already do with them is just have an image on my desktop? Well, you know what? I should have listened to Mike. Hashtag Mike was right. CleanshotX, if you ever take a screenshot on your Mac, it's just better. I'm so glad I actually installed it. And the really nice thing is the ability to do stuff like get an image into your clipboard without it Ever actually existing as a file anywhere on your computer to delete later. Like, that is one of the main features I really like about this. Super easy markup tools. I did not believe Mike last year. I thought I didn't need it, but I was wrong. It's great. Screen recording.
0: You can do videos. You can do GIFs. You can do scrolling capture of a web page. You can use it to select an area that has text and have it capture the text and no screenshot. Yeah, it's crazy. So good. I'm going to recommend Lasso. So I use Moom as my window manager for keyboard shortcut stuff. But what Lasso lets me do is with a different keyboard shortcut, it will pop up a little icon and I can draw an area on my screen for where I want the current selected window to exactly be and how big I want it to be.
1: Sold.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So for Moom, what I use it for is like specific sets and you can do this in lasso too but i like the way i have it set up in movement it's fine but lasso will let you like you can choose a grid size in the app settings of how much of like how many grid sections do you want the screen to be divided into and it will let you just draw in those it's really really cool i love it because you see live
1: how big the window is going to be and then when you like unclick the cursor there you go done Because you've just mentioned that, I'm going to mention I've been looking for a replacement for my window management system on the Mac, and I've uh, eventually settled on Mosaic as the app to move around uh, Windows into different exact spots. I was using Divi last year, but it is like very old and needed to be replaced. And I quite like Mosaic. It lets you draw like a super teeny tiny grid so you can really exactly specify exactly where you want a window to go when you hit the keyboard shortcut. But the one thing it doesn't do is have that you can live draw exactly where you want the window thing to go. So I'm going to add Lasso to Mosaic as my Mac window management. Flighty. We talk about Flyte a lot,
0: but Flyte has had a very busy year, and I want to make sure I mention it. Obviously, the live activities are amazing. I mentioned that before, but Flyte has added two features that has made it even better, friends' flights. So they've had a way for a number of time where you can take a flight and you can add it to their section as a friend's flight, and it doesn't count in your statistics and all that kind of stuff, and you can also limit the amount of notifications you want for a friend's flight. They've made this feature better, so you can share with someone to have your flights added into their flighty. So me and Stephen have done this. So
1: whenever he's flying
0: or whenever I'm flying the other one gets notifications about it.
1: Oh nice, I didn't realize that was a thing that you could do.
0: Yeah, it's pretty new, but the biggest thing for
1: me is they finally made a watch app.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. (laughs) Which I cannot believe they didn't do before now, but they finally added an app so on the Apple Watch you can see uh, the information about your flights and it also comes with a bunch of really great complications as well.
1: Yeah. I was always so baffled that it didn't exist as a complication on the watch. Every time I was like, why is this not here? This seems like the best place for it to be. So very happy that that exists there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to add an app called Gemini on your phone. This is partly a, a recommendation for the future as well. Gemini is an app. It's existed for a long time to get rid of duplicate photos in your photo library. But I'm mentioning this here now because they're currently running a test flight that you can join for the next version of Gemini. And it is Uh, amazing. So I think like just about everybody ends up with a million duplicate photos and also very similar photos. And this is just the best app I've ever found for I wanna to try to trim down the size of my iPhoto library and get rid of like these thousands similar photographs that I have. The new version that's coming out adds just a ton of nice features, fixes some of the irritations with the old version and that like syncs state across all of your devices. So you can mark like, oh, I never wanna get rid of this photo. So if I try to clear up my library on another device, it knows to just be, say like, these are the photos that you wanna keep. Really great. For me, it's a kind of perfect couch app for like, I just want to do something while I'm half watching this TV show. Let me try to like clear up my library. Gemini.
0: Bartender 5. So it's a brand new version of Bartender, which is an app that lets you clean up your menu bar. And so you can have more menu bar apps available to you at a click. Now it's got a few new features. One, it lets you customize the visual style of your menu bar. You can actually change its shape and color and a bunch of stuff. I don't wanna do that, but I think it's cool. What I do like is you can have menu bar items that are either shown or hidden to you with specific trigger presets or by using AppleScript. So for example, in different focus modes, you could have different menu bar apps in different locations, different menu bar apps. So you can go wild of Apple Script. You can also now create groups of icons that can be expanded by hovering over an icon on the menu bar. So you create a little icon, and when you hover over it, it expands and shows you like a bunch of different menu bar items that you've put behind it. It's like folders, basically, but
1: in the menu bar. Nice. My last app recommendation is not an app recommendation at all, but it is a feature of Sonoma. On Safari, you can now click add to dock and make any web page into an app Mm. and you can also do this in shortcuts so you can turn any shortcut in your system into an app on the dock. But here's the thing. It doesn't have to stay on the dock. Which you can I just... didn't know for a really long <laughs> <Yes>. time. <laughs> so, Yes. This is the thing that I think people don't realize is like that add to dock feature. Every time I click it, the very next thing I do is pull that thing right off the dock and yep. poof it out of existence. And it doesn't matter because Spotlight will still pick it up or Alfred will pick it up or whatever you're using. Raycast will pick it up. So... This I have used for every website now and every shortcut that I use on my Mac. I add all of them to Doc and make a little tiny app out of them and then just call them from Alfred.
0: So I was very confused about this because they don't live in the Applications folder, but they live in a separate Applications folder.
1: They live in Users Applications folder, which everyone has completely forgotten the existence of until now. Or if you're like, where did those things go? Oh, right. The User Application folder. How strange.
0: My final recommendation is Peak, which is a fitness widgets app that I've mentioned to you in the past. What I really like about this app, you can use it to view a bunch of stuff about your fitness. I just wanted one widget that would show my activity rings and my step count in the same widget. And it lets me do that. And you can have widgets that you configure with the, whatever things you want to access about your uh, fitness from Apple Health that it has access to. So I just think it's a very nice way of getting a visually attractive Widget that has the two pieces of information I most want at a glance from my iPhone about my activity for the day.
1: Okay, and according to my timer, we have stopped the show at four hours and twenty-eight seconds, which I'm going to just round down to four hours and say that we. Well, made when it. it's edited, it will be under four hours, <laughs> I expect. Right, but Mike, I mean, the real thing here is we started this afternoon and it's now nine p.m. <laughs> oh my god!
0: Well, that's state of the apps.